Blog Talk Radio. what 
she's done. And I think it's, it's, it's something that everybody can learn from. So I'm going to have her on next Saturday morning so you guys tune in and check it check it out. I'm working on another guest, so we'll see what happens there. But, you guys, I did want to announce that. I'll probably announce it again at the end of the show, you know, and I'll probably start, I'll put up the uh, link for the, for the show next week on Saturday. And then after that, I don't know, I might do another show. I don't know, but I'm going to take a break sometime in there, okay? Just for a little, no, I can't say it's for a little while. I'm going to try to. I'm just going to try, to try to take a break for a little bit so you guys have plenty of archive shows to listen to. God bless during my break if I decide to, okay? So, uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> we are in two – I wanted to get a little bit of that house cleaning done. So we're in 2023, baby. Listen, what did I do for 2023? You know what? I sat at home and watched the ball drop CNN pissed me off because they wouldn't let the anchors get drunk. They wouldn't let the, they wouldn't let people get drunk. I was like, what? Nobody turns into tunes into CNN on New Year's to see like regular Don and regular Anderson Cooper and regular Andy. We tune in because we like the shenanigans. <laughs> we like the drunk. It's so cool to see people who are usually so stiff, except for Andy, drunk. <laughs> Let them drink. I did not understand that this year. I was pissed. I was like, what the hell is this? What kind of dry CNN is this? This is no fun. <laughs> I was not. I even had my own drinks. I was like, what the hell? Did I get like, did I drink in? What the hell is this? What am I tuning in for? <laughs> yeah, but that was my 2023. I, I, one thing I said one year, God bless me to live. One year, you know, and I'm, I plan on it, but one year I'm just going to go somewhere and party on New Year's. I don't think I've partied since my 20s and my New Year's, really seriously. I don't think I have. Like, I've been somewhere where I've partied. And I don't. I think mostly, in, like, that stopped early in my 20s. I think I've been mostly, like, on New Year's in church or at home. <laughs> it's all like, I just never, I just never have, like, and I was thinking about one time to go into New York, but my friend was telling me how horrible that was. She's like, it's hideous. You never, ever want to go to New York on New Year's unless you have money. You could be in some sort of, like, you know, big, like building or, <laughs> or something like that. And, you know, like the prices she was telling, nah, I ain't got to, like, I, I, I'm not Jay-Z. <laughs> All right, so, so I was like, uh, yeah, no. But I want to, maybe I'll do something, I want to do something fun. I mean, not to look to next year already, but you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, I was sitting at home and I was thinking to myself, you know, yeah, I like to one new year just get out and just, like, have a good time. (laughs) I I mean, that's a church wasn't a good time because, you know, I've been to great churches, but, you know, like, y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Y'all get it, okay? Thanks, y'all. I mean, I I know y'all understand, pray for me, but I'm just saying, I just want to, you know, I'm like, damn. To go somewhere like you know, or somewhere it just be somewhere different, you know. Shit, this is what I was thinking. Okay, all right. So it's the CC show. Uh, Happy New Year! This week it's been my week, my first week into the new year. We're heading on to the second week. My first week was relaxing. I mean, you know, like shit. I have had like a month. Like I'm still recovering. Like I, I did a lot. 
I'm recovering from 2022. I did a, <laughs> I did a lot of shit. So I'm sort of like, <gasps> you know, it's now it's all settling in in my energy base, and I'm like, yeah, okay, now I need to calm down and rest a little bit for a moment, take it all in, then get back to what I need to do. But yeah. Quite the, 2022 was quite the year for me, okay? So, yeah, I, and I'm sure 2023 is going to be quite the year, too. But here's the thing. You know, 23 is one of those odd numbers. I, I'm, I'm expected to be fun but weird. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it. I'm like feeling like 23 is going to be odd but weird. Like odd but weird. I mean odd but fun. Like odd but I feel that. Odd, weird but fun. Strange but fun. I don't know. That's what I'm getting. The, I'm feeling like the vibe. Okay. I don't know. Hopefully, I just really believe that. I don't know. Believe for good things. Okay. But okay. So what did I? I did get a chance last weekend. I went to go see. I want to dance with somebody. I know. I promised myself I wouldn't go see it. But I did. <sighs> It was exactly what I thought. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but it was bad. And that's the story of Whitney Houston's life, the, like the hundredth story of Whitney Houston. We've seen a lot of them by now, okay? Um, here's the first thing I want to say. The, young, the actress they use, beautiful girl, but looks nothing like Whitney Houston. And I really feel that she that it it was, it was a couple. This it, this wasn't just a problem of the script, of you know, of just trying to. I felt like trying to relieve Pat or, or Clive of bad reputation. You know, it felt like he was trying to sweep up, clean up stuff. I I don't, you know I was like eh, you know it me I, I I didn't like it. Uh, in that case, I mean, I just wanted them to tell her story. I felt like I don't really think that was done. Plus, I think the actress, let me just start with the actress first. Beautiful girl, but I felt like she spent too much time on trying to talk like Whitney. But she did not have actions down. And part, listen, Whitney Houston is such, God, because there's different stages of Whitney Houston, right? Because there's the beginning stage where Whitney comes out, Whitney's one of those women in life that are like, that was like to me, like Diane Carroll, like that came, that was that you feel like was born with class. Whitney, even though she was, you know, from Jersey, from uh, from somewhat the hood, uh, had, was like, had a lot of grace and class about her, okay? Uh, especially early Whitney. Early Whitney was a lot softer. I kept feeling like this girl was very hard and moved very hard for early Whitney. Like, she moved really hard. Like, she couldn't, she didn't have that balance between, that Whitney had between grace, but yet I could still be a little hood with it. I could still be a little, you know, she didn't know how to do that. And maybe that was part partly because, and this is no diss, this is no diss to other actors because there's some great actors from foreign places and throughout the diaspora. But this is a problem sometimes of probably getting a, a British actress to play uh, an African-American. Because a lot of times, here's what's the thing about African-Americans, I'll tell you this. 
we, and I'm not saying that other people don't appreciate us, but I'm just saying that a lot of times, a lot of people throughout the diaspora think they're in some sort of competition with African Americans. So sometimes they think they know African Americans through TV, uh, their lifestyles and everything. And so there's not a full study of us or, you know, you know the product version of us. So you think you come in and get the accents and all that, but not really study how we are culturally and things like that. You think you know because of the TV's dictate, you know, the U.S. being a superpower has just told you these, these stories, right? Uh, whereas when African Americans will play somebody within the diaspora, most, not all, not all are great that have been done great jobs with, you know, people, but they'll study the culture, try to learn everything about the people and things and stuff like that because for us it's like, well, we really don't know what it's like to be that, right? And so um, whereas with us, people feel like they know our culture, so which they do, you know, because our culture has been sold throughout the world. And I talk about this on here all the time. And so they feel like there's no study of the people and the places and the time period and, and how black people were and what was happening in the backdrop of all this stuff. And this is what I feel like this actress was missing, like the heart and the core of trying to balance that culturally, who she was, trying to balance that whole thing of grace and class. And it just, it just was not a good, she was just not a good choice. But she did, a, she did, she, she, I give her a B for effort. No, I'm not trying to throw any shade. B for effort. Y'all know I drink effort. For those of you who are new to the show, listening to the show, let me just tell you now, this is a very messy show. I stop, I drink, I be eating, I be doing all kind of stuff. Carry on, just be like, oh, what's she eating? Yeah. I'll be doing all kind of shit, okay? But back to the Whitney Houston movie thing. <laughs> um, I felt that was left out. I felt the director. I didn't like. I didn't like the script. That's the first thing. But I also felt like the director could have take, taken moments to help the actress because seeing that the actress was struggling, as a director, you could do certain scene changes, scene things that make that performance great. Because to me. Personally about this actress, and I forget her name, I, I, I don't know, maybe I need to look it up, but personally what I liked about this actress is that she was right there. She was very close. Um, and possibly she wasn't really close. I mean, I'm not saying to acting like Whitney, but she, she had enough emotion in certain parts and stuff that if the director had embraced the scenes more, embraced the moments more, Possibly they could have directed the scene in a way that would have helped the actor look better. There was a part at the end, right? I I, tell, I like to tell y'all, y'all know how to end in anyway. Shit, this is a biography, <laughs> okay? So, but anyway, tell you at the end of the movie, there's this part where you know they're going through where Whitney's, you know, at the end of Whitney's life or whatever, and they have her. Uh, reflecting back on her life and reflecting on this time that she did this melody uh, at the American Music Awards. And so they take, they pan to this, her walking out on stage and the the character, this actress walking out on stage. And uh, this actress is, um, uh, do, she, you know, pretending, she's lip syncing uh, to the, 
how is that can I say? She's lip syncing to the you know because she's they use Whitney's voice throughout the movie. Uh, movie. So she is uh, lip syncing and um, she looks you know she looks gorgeous, but again she doesn't look like Whitney Houston. <laughs> okay, she's beautiful, but she just doesn't look like Whitney Houston. And not for one moment did I buy she was Whitney Houston. That was the bad part, you know. Like I just did not buy it. I was like, Ugh. and listen. Her, uh, even it's hard for American actresses. Let me just say this too: it's hard for American actresses to pick up Whitney. It's only one that I've been able to see do it really well, and that is the young lady who played in Bobby Brown's movie, I believe. <gasps> she was fabulous, and she didn't look anything like Whitney, but she just had her actions and movements, and oh my God, it was great. But it was only for a certain time period that you you get to see that. Like, so I wouldn't, I would have wondered how she'd do for the early Whitney. I'm not sure, but going back to this, um, uh, going back to this, uh, uh, this moment in the movie is towards the end, and it's kind of like a reflection. Whitney's having, uh, uh, Whitney's having this reflection back on her life, and it's going back to this American Music Award moment, and so uh, she has the, the camera pans. She comes out and starts singing. And it's a beautiful moment. They pan to Bobby, what looks like the Bobby, Bobby, you know, the the actors in the movie out there. They pan to them. And then he does this beautiful round of the audience, like beautiful round, right? And I said, this is a moment. I hope he takes this moment because this could be the, the difference in like a great movie, even just a moment. Listen, I can tell you something. If you have several bad moments in a movie, but if you make one big, huge, great moment in a movie, you can make that movie a great movie. It, cause the emotions were high from this, what I call, let's say, the death scene, okay? And has he? T- it has a director pans out and he pans across the thing. I was like, oh, I hope he takes this moment to turn it into the real performance. He doesn't. He takes a moment to focus on this actress acting like Whitney Houston. Oh, it makes the movie worse. It's just like, oh, no. I mean, it, and it spins, it's like over-focused on her. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It would have been such, because the emotions is high. Everything is like, oh, my God, this is so sad. And it just pans. And if they had panned around, like panned around and came back, and we were suddenly in like entrenched into the real moment Whitney sang those melodies and left it like that at the end. That would have been dope as fuck. But the director missed it. And in, in, in the whole thing, the movie fucked up, okay? It's just, he didn't, he, he had some moments. Those were moments that I felt like the director missed to make it great. Because the story's about Whitney Houston, not about this actress getting her shine on. Um. I thought it was a lot of trying to make us believe, trying to sell us the Clive and Whitney relationship. A lot of still trying to blame Bobby Brown, but yet relieving Bobby Brown of issues. Like, you know, it was like, still we're going to blame Bobby, but then we're going to not blame Bobby. <laughs> we, we just know, listen, it was not Bobby's fault all the way. Okay, Bobby might have contributed to shit, but Bobby wasn't, Bobby's still alive and doing real well, okay? 
to me, to still try to sell the narrative of Bobby, I, I just, yeah. I mean, I wish they would have balanced that a little bit more. They try to come back with a little scene, a part of scene where Whitney's trying to relieve Bobby, but it's almost like she isn't. It's kind of weird. It, it's just, I, I think we've gotten too many Whitney Houston stories. So, when I tell you to waste your two, was it? It's like two hours or something on I Want to Dance with Somebody. If you're a Whitney Houston fan and you just want to see it to see it, go ahead. If you you got time, you know. But personally, I mean, the, the Showtime documentary was better. <laughs> and you know, maybe it's me, but I just got a problem with Patton. I got a problem with Clive. I don't know. <laughs> if I believe their documentary, <laughs> I mean their movie. And the whole thing is, oh, man. There were some great moments I really liked. But um, I just can't get over them. You know, I never could get over Clive leaving, having a party. at the with was four flights up. I just can't get over that. I'm sorry. I think that was, it felt ritualistic. It felt weird. Who was partying? I want to know who was down there partying. It just didn't seem right. It still creeps me out to think about it. So here's a movie from Clive Davis's perspective. Eh, I don't know. Did it make me understand the relationship between Clive and Whitney even more? Eh, it was okay. Did it tell you anything different about Whitney Houston that you didn't know? No. You know what I wish they would have done, though, in that movie? Took more time to reflect on her other relationships. They did reflect on the relationship with Robin and the fact that Whitney was bisexual. I don't believe Whitney Houston was gay. I know people would like to believe that. I don't believe. They tried to sell it. I believe Whitney Houston, um, from the documentaries I've seen on Whitney Houston, and listen, some people are just, you know, Whitney Houston has some things in her life that happened that I believe caused her to question her sexuality. That's a fact, okay? She had allegedly she was molested and everything by a relative, and that and that can cause people to question their sexuality. But did I think Whitney had problems with, like, in the male species? No. I felt like they didn't focus on, it would have been nice to see them focus on Eddie. It would have been nice to focus on, uh, was Randall Cunningham allegedly she had a relationship with? I would have liked to see them focus on those relationships, and then we get the part of Bobby. Because I would like to see Whitney, and there were allegedly other females. Allegedly. I could tell some tea, but I will not. And I would have liked to see Ray J. How did Ray J come about? Come on, tell me some shit I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do know, but allegedly I know. But don't tell, tell I'd like to see that shit on the screen. I was Lenny fucking around with Ray J at the end of her, at the end of it all. What the fuck was going on there? 
I mean, that's what I would like. If y'all would have told me something like that, I would have been like, yes. Okay, that's a Okay, tell me something I don't know. Tell me about the relationship with Eddie because she apparently was very in love with Eddie Murphy from a lot of people's perspective. So I would love to have heard a lot more of that. Things that we don't, that they touch on in, in documentaries, they touched on in movies. Because remember, and how I know the Eddie Murphy shit was really true, because Bobby, remember all the being Bobby Brown, which is the best reality show ever made in life. But remember when being Bobby Brown was on, and one of the first few episodes when Whitney Houston, <laughs> and Whitney Houston, was it the constipated, wasn't that on my, when she was constipated? Oh, my God, me and Bobby Brown was a mess. But she was constipated. Or they were talking about her being constipated or something. And Bobby says that he, like, Bobby says something really gross, like he helped her, I guess, relieve constipation. He said, Eddie Murphy wouldn't do that. <laughs> and that's how I knew. Like, shit was real probably with Eddie, right? So I would have, they did focus on Jermaine Jackson, because a lot of people don't know that Whitney Houston had a relationship with Jermaine Jackson. Yes, allegedly while he was married. It was pretty much people thought, you know, she was really into Jermaine. I would have liked to hear about the other females. These stories are true. I mean, there there have been rumors about arguments with a particular big actress over a female. You know, I won't tell you all the tea, but if you're going to tell me a Whitney Houston story, Tell me some of that. Tell me something new about Whitney we don't know. We do understand. They did give us more of the Robin relationship, okay? They did clarify that Whitney was in a relationship with Robin, okay? So, uh, but I would, I, I felt like we, we could have, they were spinning, okay? So it, 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 is it worth it? Yeah, again, I wouldn't spend my two hours and stuff because it's stuff you can see on documentaries. However, personally, for for all of you out there, I mean, if you're going to ever make another Whitney Houston bio, address things that people don't know much about. Addressing Nick Gordon, people like that. That is it. That is a story. It's stories we've heard, but bringing that all together and making a great film like that about those things and addressing the things that we don't know and putting them with the great things she's done, like how did she end up doing her last movie for I mean, all those putting those all together, I would have appreciated. But this movie, yeah, it didn't make the mark, and partly because of the actress and the director. But the woman who played Cece Houston, God, great. Cece Houston, wonderful, great actress. A lot of the actors in the movie, the guy who played Bobby Brown, great. Okay. Uh, I've, I mean, I did see better Bobby Brown, too. The, the guy, to me, the best Bobby Brown that has ever been is the dude who plays in, in uh, what, what's, the, what's the movie? Plays in Power, too. Has he played? And he, yeah, he, I think he played on New Edition. He played Bobby on New Edition's movie, and he also played Bobby in Bobby's bio. They should have begged him. He, he is so awesome. that dude is awesome. Okay, he plays Kane on Power too. Great actor. K 
okay, he is, he is, he was proficient at Bobby now. Sometimes they thought they could put a gap in somebody's mouth and just make him Bobby. He looked like Bobby, but he was borderline and Eddie Kane Jr. But I really love the portrayal of Bobby. I think nobody gets the energy of Bobby quite like that young man that plays on Power 2. Excellent. He was in New Edition everything like that. I mean, I think it's okay to cross actors sometimes if, if you can get them, you know. So that's my take on I Want to Dance with Somebody. Now, have y'all seen the new Love After Lockup? <laughs> for those of you who are just now listening to me on the show, y'all know, for, I mean, just now tuning in and you're coming into the show, you know, as newbies, let me tell you how much I love Love After Lockup. It is my guilty <laughs> pleasure. I love that show. I have a girlfriend that I plan on. You know, I have a girlfriend who's been with somebody who's been in jail for a long time. And I was like, I told her, I said, can I tell your story to the Love After Lockup people? You, Well, hers it would be Love While During Lockup. I mean, I'm like, you should, you should be on Love During Lockup. <laughs> I'm like, your story would be great. <laughs> but Love After Lockup is been coming on We TV now for a while, and it's about men and women who get involved with these uh, uh, who who get involved with these people who are who women are men who are in jail. Okay, and they're just now on, now there's two versions of Love After Lockup, okay? There's Love During Lockup, which they just started about a year or two ago. And that's why people have relationships with people while they're in jail, okay? And they focus on that. That's really good too. But Love After Lockup is about people when they're coming out of jail and how they maintain their relationships. Now, some of these people have never met their I mean, they've met their person, or they've only seen them a few times, but they be planning on marrying these people and everything. Don't really know them outside the jail walls and stuff. <laughs> it is, it is, it is quite the riot. <laughs> okay, love after lockup. So, love after lockup is on the second week, and I know I've always been skipping talking to y'all about love after lockup. So I, I I'm gonna kind of talk to y'all about it. I'm gonna play a little bit of. Because uh, this is the fourth season, so I'm going to pay a little bit of the preview to give y'all an introduction into the Love After Lockup. So check this out. I don't have it up yet. Here we go. Find jewelry purveyor. Travis, he's been in prison. Just robbed a bank. Got declined. 
I should have never supported you to begin with. I'm concerned because those last two boyfriends are dead. I don't want him to be the third one. I'm leaving. Get the f out of my house. Everybody stop talking. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I'm not trying to get killed. Call the police. Why are you here? Can you two clowns short of circus. The old new season of Love After Lockup premieres Friday, December 16th on Wee TV. Okay, so Love After Lockup is really crazy. They've introduced this, so this is a little bit of a preview, but they've introduced these new couples to the uh, mix. And here's my thing. I think I look at it as <laughs> has a look on human nature, just like I do the ID channel. The ID channel is a look at you. And I love, I love studying human nature, like how humans, how we react in certain ways with certain things. And what I, here's what I'll tell you what I've learned about love after lockup. One of the biggest things, especially with women, and, and, and women who tend to get men while they're tr- – women who – not all women, not all women who have men for, that are in jail are what I'm about to say. But women – I'm just going to say this. Most women who troll the jails for males, a lot of times they have a problem with control in their outer life. So a lot of times you'll see these women who have great jobs, got it going on, great careers, trolling the jail for these guys. And they, what they do is they're like, when they come, they're putting all this pressure on these dudes who have obviously went to jail for some real shit, right? So they putting all these pressures like, oh, when he gets out, we're gonna get married. When he gets out, we're gonna we're gonna have a baby, and we're gonna do this. And I'm like, this motherfucker just got out of jail. How you gonna have a baby? I mean, he just got, give him a moment. He's trying to re, 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 get himself reacclimated. Am I saying the right word right? Getting himself reacquainted with society. He's trying to get himself, you know, trying give him a moment. And so one of the things I've I've really come to learn in watching this series is that some of these guys will be better off in going to the halfway house, like and sitting because what they don't understand and sitting in there and getting their stuff together or going someplace. Like uh, going to a relative's house and staying, don't jump so much into because what these women do is offer them great things when they come out there. I mean, like this one couple I'm gonna talk about, like the girl, she's uh, she had Gucci waiting for this dude, all kind of shit, and it's like, you know, can you maintain that? And if she can't maintain it, I mean, the thing is, these guys get caught up because they, you know, they offering all them these, these great things, and it seems like comfortable to get, you know. In, in a life that nice, but they don't understand it comes with a price because the minute you get one of these chicks probably pregnant or you marry one of them and then you don't start to, they expect you to be like men who have been on the outside. They know you're not, but they have this fantasy of you becoming that and rather quickly. So when you can't live up to the moment, after they put all this pressure on you, I think what these women will turn into is piranhas. They will start being the type that say, you can't get no job. I'm paying all the bills around here. Once they got the you like they got a baby by you or they got you trapped by through marriage and stuff, they'll start talking shit and put more pressure on you to fall out. And with the men, it's the same way too, okay? But with men and women, it's a little different, okay? But... 
let me talk about the couples first of all. There's Eris and Cameron they introduced this week. Cameron's a musician. This is from Newsweek there, uh, where they kind of, the article from Newsweek, because I always get mad at me because I don't remember the names. So I pulled the names. It's Cameron, who is a musician who's first attracted to Eris when she became a fan of his work and slipped into his DMs. Eris is eager for Cameron's release. He did get released this week. Uh, and so they can begin their new life together, but has concerns about his rap career and large fan base of women, okay? Now, she's a very pretty girl. Now, he comes out of jail. He's already, he's been a rapper. And so he sounds like, he kind of sounds impulsive. He's like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I like, I'm, I'm kind of dangerous. I like impulsivity. I'm like, oh, shit, he might end up in jail again. And she has a little girl, okay? And she's already trying to introduce this like, the kids sometimes got more sense. The kids be like, uh, yeah, you know. Like, I don't think you should introduce your kid to him right away. You know, I think you should take some time, make sure he's what you want. But, you know, for the show purposes, they already probably are, she's already introducing the kid to him. And it just seems like a lot. It seems like you should get to know him first, right? So it's a, they're an interesting couple. Uh, she's already angry and getting upset about women he may have in the music vi- video, his music videos, because he's like, yeah, I'm going to have ass clap and all that stuff. That's what he was saying on the last <laughs> Love After Lockup. And I'm like, and the girl's like, babe, that's not necessary. I'm like, um, he's a rapper. Yeah, it's probably necessary. Like, chick, what are you going to do? <laughs> he, this is This is his lifestyle. What are you, what do you expect for him to be? It's unrealistic. So I feel like we're heading towards disaster with Aries and Cameron, okay? Then there's Ashley and Travis, um, and they're from St. Lucie, Florida. Lucy of Florida says, uh, now, jeweler Ashley, she's a jeweler, <laughs> and convicted, this is what I'm getting ready to say, Bank robber, Travis has been together for four years but haven't seen each other for two of those, okay? Following his release, Ashley is excited to show Travis her home in Florida where she plans to employ her partner at her jewelry business. He's a convicted bank robber. Perhaps you should let him get out, get work, try to help. <laughs> And it's so funny because she's telling some of her clients and they're looking like like some of her people that she buys jewelry from and they're looking like, oh, my God, they're kind of horrified. Because, yeah, because, like, they he's coming out from convicted bank robbery and you're a jeweler. It's not that he might not be tempted. He might not be tempted at all. He may turn out to be citizen of the year. But it's like, damn. So, I, okay, they were one of the couple. She was one of the people yelling, get out. So I want to see if that if she's yelling, get out, to Travis. So this is going to be interesting. And then there's um, Monique and Derek. They've been together for two years but are yet to meet in person. Uh, they met through a Facebook pen pal uh, group. But, uh, but Monique is worried about their first meeting and how Derek will react to her after she lied about sharing her passion for fitness, okay? So now um, – let me see. Then there's, um, let me see, do they have it? Let me see if I have uh, Monique and Derek. Monique and Derek, because I think Monique is, uh, let me look at this. I want to make sure I have this right, this couple right. So y'all know how to be doing on here. I have to look them up, because I want to I be able to explain both of these couples. Uh 
me if this is the one I think it is. Okay, so I think Monique and Derek, okay, they are. Okay, so Monique and Derek. Derek is very good looking. He, well, I won't say very, but he's decent. He's handsome, right? Now, Monique is a chick that's been buying him. Monique has been buying. She had, when he came out of jail, he's Gucci to the floor. Like, she got all name brand shit for him, like $800. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, like, ma, instead of giving him $800 shirts and stuff like that, how about helping to start a business or something, keeping the money? I mean, it, it's some real crazy shit. Like, get him some decent shit to wear, but using that money for something else to build, because he coming straight up out of jail. You know what I'm saying? Is Gucci what he really needs to have on? And then plus she's got this watch that I guess because he used to be, I don't know, he used to be out in them streets, okay? I don't know what. <laughs> and he he his, he had a Cartier $30,000 watch. I'm like, mofo, you should be pawning that watch so you can get yourself back on your feet. But you get the feeling that Derek might be getting back in the shit out here. <laughs> Because he's wearing a Cartier watch and everything. Now, here's the trick to Derek, okay? Derek doesn't know that. Monique, is, he knows she's plus size, but he don't know she's plus, plus, plus size, right? <laughs> like, and this is no diss to Lizzo, but beyond Lizzo. Like, you know, a little bit more beyond Lizzo, okay? She's pretty, but you don't know. And when he comes out of jail, you know, what I will say is he's a smooth dude because he was like, yeah, you know, it don't matter. I mean, you know, I'm in the... But you can tell he's a slickster. He's slick as fuck. You can just tell. And But I, what I liked about him is that he didn't try to make her feel bad. Like, you know, he was hugging up on her, you know, showing that he wanted some sex from her and all, <laughs> and all this stuff, right? But you know when the, when you know that when the camera hits people, when these girls in these streets see Derek, <laughs> right? Monique Dare gonna be gone. Okay. Uh but Monique is holding down Derek but with lots of shit. And so Monique is trying to be possessive of Derek. She doesn't want Derek to go around his family. She doesn't want Derek to go when he's out of jail to the casino. She claims she's trying to keep Derek out of trouble, but I really just believe she's trying to keep Derek from seeing other bitches, okay? <laughs> right, so Derek is in these. Derek is, and she got him Gucci down. Okay, she got him, you know. And so Derek get the they one of their nights together. He goes out. They go out to this restaurant and they have a meal. Now check this out. Their first meal, he spends five hundred and forty dollars on the on the bill that Monique is picking up. He just got out of jail, baby. Five hundred and forty. What the fuck? Lobster, crab cakes. They had all kind of shit. It's like, you know, I'm like, who the fuck you going out on dinner with? It's like he thinking he going out on dinner with uh uh, Tina Jackson or somebody. <laughs> and this chick, I know she gonna break herself to be with this dude because she's a big girl. And instead of listen, let me just say this, okay? This is my, this is my, just my personal opinion of Derek and them. I want y'all to watch it. I'm talking about love after lockup for y'all, okay? And I want y'all to watch it. I'm gonna try to continue to talk about it each week, okay? And here's my thing about Derek and Monique, okay? Sometimes I want to be real careful in saying this because I'm a plus size girl, so I understand. 
sometimes women can chase after something unrealistic. Like, they don't know it's unrealistic in their head. And she, she knows she's spending all kind of wild money. She's doing wild shit, okay? Instead of working on self, you know, like working on the thing that is making you, like if let's say it's a health issue or something, what's the thing, what's going on with you? Like she's like, she, she like, she, she really, like she's, uh, like she is, like she could be on like, you know, I mean, one of them, like, those weight lights. She's really big, okay? But she's pretty. She's pretty, but she's huge, okay? And so my thing is, like, she's spending so much time chasing this guy, spending money on this guy and everything, and she's failing to do, this is just my personal opinion, the hard work on self. And I just feel like this is going to end up being a disaster. I could just see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. But what I will appreciate about Derek is he's a slickster enough to make her feel. He's so kind to her, I think, for the first night. I mean, for the parents so far. But you can tell shit's about to go left, right? And because Derek doesn't understand, my personal opinion, the value financially of, like, saying, yo, like, I would have said to her, yo, like, I mean, I like some nice clothes. Because <laughs> I'm a girl. I like fashion myself. I like some nice clothes. You can give me nice clothes from places other than Gucci. Like, that's a, like an $800 shirt. Like, I just got out of jail. There's other things I'm trying to do out here. You know, I'm trying to build myself back up. And the last thing I need is an $800 shirt. Matter of fact, take this $30,000 watch and let's get the money back, find it, whatever. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you get out there. It's crazy. So it's, it's very interesting to watch. Okay, so... Let's take a listen. I'm going to try to play a little bit of Monique where you guys can hear Monique and Derek, okay, because I think this is such interesting. So let me see if I can get it a little bit on. If I got a little moment. Okay, here's a moment from Monique and Derek in the show. So check this out so you guys can see. This is them at dinner. Need you to make me happy, like. I am. So wake up. Who is that? You know that person? I don't know nobody. Uh, you stand up with me. We can walk around downtown. You wanna do that? Not in these shoes. What's good? How you? How you sleeping? How you know I'm up in here? I don't know. I'm over here. I don't know. I'm over here. 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 I'm over I'm talking about, it's my first 24 hours out. I've been gone a long time, man. You got to show me around. Yeah. I want to stay all the night, though, because my girl, she getting sleepy. Yeah. 
You got your license? Okay, you valid? Okay, okay. I want to go to the casino and see what's up. That's all I want to do is see this. That's it. Chris gives his money, oh God, 
It's so sad. It was so sad we're watching it last season because, you know, I knew it was something off when this chick was walking in. She was going into, uh, like, places trying to get a wedding dress for, like, $30,000. And I'm like, bitch, she's in jail. (laughs) So now that he's out of Rikers, Chris is broke. No, 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 no. I'm not kidding. You're like, wait, wait a minute. How's he broke? I'm trying to find. I got to find it. Hold on. Let me see if I can find the story for you guys to see. Uh, Chris and Gabby. Let me see if I can find it on here. And this is is probably, is this the the last one I want to talk about? There's more couples. But this is the last one I'm going to focus on because these are the ones I want y'all to focus on because I think it's it'll make you come watch, go watch it. It mean it's really it make it's it makes it even more interesting to watch. I mean, love after lack of why it's so good. But let me see. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's see. Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to, so apparently they're saying this guy got, uh, got arrested. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm behind on, uh, uh, Chris and Gabby. Okay. But cause we are going to see it in real time on, uh, on Love After Lockup. But let me just try to find, I'm trying to find a, uh, a little, let me see, a clip so you guys can see her. Okay. Here she is. Let's check this out. So you guys can see what I'm here what I'm talking about. Now this is Gabby going to get her vagina tightened before Chris gets out of jail the day before. No, I'm not kidding. Oh, or things with his mom. I spoke to his sister today. Okay. And, and she was, was saying that? that they want to come with me. Did you have to drive down with her? Yes. Oh my God. I have to share a hotel room with him and everything. Oh, my God. My relationship with Chris's family is You know, the contact is minimal, and I really like it that way because all they bring is drama. If I bring her home, you gonna get parole here. You're gonna get one mommy. And you only get one wife. So what is his mother's main issue with you? She thinks I'm using him. Like, I'm a gold digger and everything. A few years ago, while Chris was in prison, he had a lawsuit for Rikers Island. Um, for being beaten up badly by the guards and got a $150,000 settlement and basically gave half of the money to me. I spent it on bills, our our apartment, furniture, credit card debt, a car. Chris doesn't have a dollar left, not a dollar, not a nickel, not a dime, not anything, not a penny. I'm supporting him now. And she's still walking around like you're using him? Yes. Once the money was gone, his mother wasn't sending him any money. I was. I spent thousands of dollars because he asked for money every day. And did I give it to him? Yes, I did. So what, did, what else do you guys have planned? We're getting married tomorrow. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, he, and they don't know about it. His mom and sister have no idea that you're wanting to get married. No, no I didn't tell them. Because they're going to be so against it, they're, like, going to go crazy. So I'd rather them go crazy after they see what's going on. Are you doing it to piss them off, or are you truly, like... No, I mean, that would be very childish and petty of me to just get married just to piss someone off. No, I'm not doing that. 
I'm doing because I want to marry him. It's not going to come off very well. I know. I know. Felicia and Esty are probably going to be upset when they find out. You know, that's their problem, not mine. Okay. Now, what I'm not telling you is Gabby has a BMW, Okay. And uh, the apartment's really like, listen, Gabby is used to high lifestyle, okay? Her mom begins to talk about later on into the show how she she likes to buy, uh, uh, she, she normally dates NBA players, you know, well-to-do guys, okay? Now, Chris is like, he looks like he's from the grind, like he grimy, like grimy. So she's a pretty girl. Here is the question you must ask. Black males, black men, listen, come here, come here, come here, come here. Because she's, she's like an Indian girl. Uh, I forget what she is. I, I can't, she's like Indian or something like that. And she says, I know my daughter. My daughter dates nothing but NBA players and blah, 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 blah. Okay? And she ain't going to be there long, basically, okay? Black men, please listen up to this, okay? Just men in general, but black men especially. Here's the deal. When a girl like Gabby, who's dated nothing but NBA players and celebrities and shit like that, drops all the way down to the grind where she's trolling the jails, you must ask yourself some question if you're the jail inmate inside who's just won $150,000 and you're just giving her half of your money. You've got to ask yourself, how is she now trolling the jails? You've got to ask yourself Black men, when you see, I've talked about this on the show. When you see somebody who's at the top, I've talked about this with the blonde. Oh, my God, because people are going to think I'm being racist when I say this stuff. No, I'm, because I used to... I used to hang, I used to have friends. My girlfriend, li- listen, there's a, th- when you see a girl, so, not everybody, but I'm just saying you got to ask yourself some questions. When you see somebody, especially when they're from another race, and they have the top of the, they could be with the top of the, because it's hard to be, you know, it's hard to be with a black person in America because of, of the racism that comes with America, okay? So when you see, like, say, for instance, a white blonde, this, this is just what I'm just saying. Not all blondes. Don't get mad for you. Don't get mad out here. Don't get mad. But when you see a top of the chain white blonde girl, and she's like a big time maybe model, or oh God, she got she should be having Leonardo DiCaprio, what's, what's the other one? Brad Pitt, all of them coming after her, and they not, and she's running around with rappers. You must ask yourself some things. Oh, well, you can have the top of the chain in your own group. Why they ain't chasing you? Because nine times out of ten, they know something you don't. Now, this is real. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're not going to play no games out here about race and, and the dynamics of class and stuff like that. Sometimes people become do things that where they become no longer valuable in their own set circumstances. And this is not racist, this is facts. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying some blind girl, you just made that happen to fall in love with a black man, it happens, okay? I'm not saying it. But I'm saying most of the time you got to check it out and make sure you ain't being used, especially if you're wealthy, okay? Now, Gabby, back to Gabby. 
Gabby, like I said, is, is, is it comes from a look like a well-to-do family. Her mom looks like she's some sort of pharmacist or something. Okay, I don't know what her dad was. Now, Gabby's been dating the top of the food chain. Probably has a thing for black males. And suddenly, she's trolling the prisons, and she gets grind. Man, you grimy. You know you the grimy. So you grimy. You coming out in. You coming out in them streets. You from the pot. You from Empire. Why is Gabby fucking with you? That's what you gotta ask. Now maybe Gabby's in love, or maybe not. Maybe Gabby has nowhere else to go. Maybe them NBA players. She might have fucked too many of them. I mean, yeah. Maybe she got a reputation. You know, those are things you need to look at. And now, Chris, we're starting to see this happen because Chris gets out fresh out of jail, and he's like, where all my money go? Like, what's she spending? He hearing her talk about she went to go get her vagina tightened, and he's like, why do you need your vagina tightened? Chris, think about it. Oh, love after lockup is really good. <laughs> and this is why it's my guilty pleasure, Okay. All right, so you guys, <laughs> if you guys can check out Love After Lockup on WE TV. comes on Fridays at 8 p.m. I'm, I don't have nothing from WE to do this. It's just one of my favorite shows, and I've been telling y'all for a long, the longest I was going to do a preview about Love After Lockup. The shit is really good this time. I mean, this is the best it's been since Michael, and remember Michael and Sarah? Even though I would like to catch up on see what Michael's doing right now. Michael. Michael's wild as fuck. But Michael and Sarah that time, this 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 new crop is just as good. The last crop was okay, but this crop is like they got a lot of drama going on. So it's worth seeing. Love after lockup, check it out. <laughs> My guilty pleasure. And I talk, y'all can't say I didn't talk to y'all about Love After Lockup. I did a whole segment on Love After Lockup, okay? All right, so and I will try my best to talk about it again, okay? All right. So I go to it's a word. Do I have a it's a word for 2023? Kinda. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll t- I'll try to say it. Okay. So if you're listening to my show, if you're first time listening to this show, I have a segment called It's a Word where I talk about like you know things I've learned or motivations for the week or just encouragement things like that. This week, understanding yourself in the new year. You know what I'm saying? I feel, I don't know what, I I don't really know what to, I feel like it's going to be important. Like understanding the layers of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like what brings you, not happiness, because happiness is based on circumstance. And circumstances always change. So that means your happiness will be up and down. If you, if you, listen, if you, Say all the time, and I try to make it, you know, try not to make it a happy. Like, I just want to be happy because happiness is circumstances may come along that's not so happy, right? So, like, and circumstances change sometimes from day to day. But what I really think that people have to work for really in life is what brings you joy? What's that layer when we get like that where even when the world moves for you? When circumstances, I mean, we know there's a Godhead. You know, we have God. That's that's the first thing because God will keep give you that underlining of joy. But also, 
what are the things that you need to move towards in life? Because you can have God, but if you don't have a sense of purpose or a sense of, and it's hard to have God with not having that, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes people can be, sometimes can love God, but, you know, not have feelings, a lack of purpose. That can happen. You can be very spiritual and still feel a lack of purpose or a, lack, a sense of self. Or, And I would say that, you know, at that moment you're probably not all the way where you need, you know, in the place where you need to be. None of us are. But when you're really feeling spiritual, you will feel a movement, a God saying something, or you will at least be heading towards the way that you need to go to complete, to have that joy in your life, that no matter what the circumstances are, even when there are days when you're sad or upset or you may have depression some days or something like that, that at the end of it you have a sense of joy because you know you're in the right thing at the right time. And sometimes that's hard. That's hard for everybody, even spiritual people, okay? So what I would say is finding your sense of joy in the new year. That is so important, I feel like, in 2023. Um, One of the things for me this year, one of the things I wanted to do is stop putting pressure on myself to be perfect because I'm not perfect. I'm a perfectionist in my head. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Virgo moon, so sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm nitpicking at myself <laughs> all the time. But you know, trying to not be uh, understand I'm not perfect. I'm not gonna do things perfect. You know, and sometimes I'm not. You know, you know, I try to be a great person, but sometimes I'm not. You know. <laughs> But uh, that doesn't mean I'm not studied trying to be, okay? And uh, um, and, and I'm not bad, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, not putting the pressure on yourself to always be perfect, always be nice, always be kind, always because that doesn't happen all the time, right? Uh, and then uh, stop trying to control my atmosphere. You know, try stop trying to control your atmosphere all the time. You know, be a little bit more loose, be a little bit more relaxed in it and where you're going. I mean, you know, and trusting yourself more, trusting God more in the new year, trusting the navigation of where God wants you to go, listening for him, listening for that small voice that kind of helps you and guides you towards the things you need to go towards. And uh, most of all, for me, Looking up, uh, looking under the hood of a situation. Like when situations come to you or things come to you, problems, issues, and stuff like that, don't just get so look at it from the surface. But really open up. Like you know, when I say look under the hood, like when you find out a car is messed, your car is messing up, and then you got a the mechanic has to go and look under the hood most of the time to see what's going on with it, right? So a lot of times we need to look under the hood of the, some of the issues that we have or some of the problems that we have and really just really, like I was talking about, finding that thing that brings you joy in your life or that brings you, that's not based on circumstances and stuff like that. So to me it's looking under the hood of the situations that come to you uh, that may make you a little bit, that may make you um unsure, a little bit unstable, or problems that come, and looking under them to see what exactly, what's the root of things, okay? So that's my it's a word. I hope y'all get it. I hope it helps you, but I think that's um, very important for the year uh, coming up is trying to see, look at our situations a little bit more deeper, uh, not putting so much pressure on ourselves, understanding that you're not perfect, but still trying to be the best uh, self that you can be, 
right, the best person that you can be, okay? And um, trying to find other than, uh, uh, find everything other than happiness because happiness is based on, I think, the root word happenstance, and which is, you know, circumstance, like what what goes on in your life. You know, like and we like I want to really stress that circumstances is always changing from day to day. So you know, just finding something really deep that keeps you motivated and keeps you uh, keeps you going through times when they're not so good or times when they're good. Okay. So, uh, but hopefully this year everybody just, you just, you guys, I mean, hopefully everybody moves in blessings and love most of the thing. And, you know, here's the thing. I saw somebody the other day put something up. I had to laugh about it. I was like, they they put up, uh, it was interesting, you know, because I, I know everybody doesn't believe in God, but I thought it was funny. Uh, they they put up something about uh, something about love about love is in every human, but they had an astronaut or something. They put God is not. It was something weird, like God is not up. I don't see any God up here. <laughs> and I had to laugh because I was like, this is, this is, you know, I don't know what they were saying, but I, I don't know. I don't see, this is my personal opinion. This is my personal opinion, okay? What I'll share with people, I don't know how humanity can exist. I don't. I don't know. I understand there's atheists, and like when I talk to atheists, I get it. But I, I mean, I no, I don't get it. But I can't understand how. I can't understand how people can really view, um, can see love without seeing God. Because I feel like love comes from the spirit of God. Without God, I don't think there would be any love. I just don't believe love exists apart from God. I believe God is literally love. And if you see love, it is like the being of God given to us, the energy of it given to us. It is it, To me, love is the very thing that God, that, that love does not happen without God. I don't think it does. Huh, I just wanted to say that. I think if we had a world without God, he'd be so out of order. As human humanity, this is my personal opinion, and I don't think love would be anywhere in the picture, man. You know what I'm saying? So to me, to me, and, and sometimes you know, I can I know where I feel like, to my personal opinion, that. I'm, and I'm, I'm, the reason I'm talking about this, I just happen to think about it, but I look at myself sometimes, and some days I don't have no love for nobody. <laughs> and it is the love from another place or another energy I feel that serves me, that can that moves me back into the energy of love, even when I don't want to feel it, or even when I don't want to habit or when I want to be angry and I want to hate or I want to be mad and I feel like it is the love of God that moves you back into to a thing so I just wanted to kind of address that because I feel like there is no there this year when I say I wish you when I tell people I wish them love I wish you God really I wish you God energy 
because I feel like the energy of God is made up of love, okay? So I wish mostly for everybody this year that you have love and God energy and that you're able to use all of the gifts, talents, all the beautiful things that God has given you this year uh, in a loving, humble, and powerful way throughout your 2023, okay? So that's it. That's your Ace of Words. <laughs> All right, so I know I'm a little late in getting to the news because it's almost time to get to the news. So when I get back, we're going to get into the news. We're going to talk about, uh, oh, I forgot one couple on Love After Lockup. Oh, my God, I have to talk to y'all about that next the next time, okay? It's one couple I forgot to talk about. Oh, we'll talk about them. What was the one couple? I have to think about it. Okay, it's one couple. I think it's Justine and Michael. Okay, we'll talk about them next week, Justine and Michael. Yeah, i got to remember. When I, next time I talk about Love After Lockup, okay? Uh, dang, I'm sorry I forgot, but, yeah, one couple I forgot. All right, and um, but it's time for our break now. So uh, when I get back, we're going to talk about uh, – Texas topping the U-Haul list again of number one cities to move. Uh, Waka Flocka on Shannon Sharp's show. We're going to talk about uh, him and what he had to say. Uh, I want to know, this is no shade, okay? But I just want to know why y'all got SZA. SZA's top, her album has topped the Billboard 200 I think that's what it is, for like four weeks. Now, I don't want to hate on her. She's a fellow Scorpio, but I listened to the album, and I was like, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. What is going on? I, I, I just don't understand what's going on out here in the world of music. We'll talk about it, okay? Uh... We'll talk about Chance the Rapper and the Celebs in Ghana, okay? And we got I mean, so much I want to talk to y'all about. So I'll try to get to some of this news when we get back. Meanwhile, uh, let's go into, um, oh, it's one of my, I wanted to play a Janet Jackson song for y'all for your break, during break. Um, do I have it? Y'all know I be, y'all know I be, y'all know how I be with the, uh, with the songs. I think I have something up, and then it just goes all kaput <laughs> on my board. So, okay, so we're going to, uh, where are we gonna play? Okay, here's Janet Jackson. We're gonna do spending time with you. Is it up? I thought it was up. Okay, maybe not. So we won't do Janet spending time with you. I thought it was up. I don't have it up. So we're going to play um, Sweet Love, Anita Baker. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. It's late night, hot topic Sunday. I'm up late giving y'all a show that I probably should have gave y'all Saturday. (laughs) All right. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
Never miss. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy Jerry Terry Lewis. I mean, they were they was good at shit back then. I love Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle. I mean, I mean, oh my goodness, Sherelle. You know, she really doesn't get enough. I mean, that was that like was that like SOS band Sherelle, Alexander O'Neill. Um, like that was the beginnings of like kind of the greatness of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Like a lot of people like to think Janet Jackson, but Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are like. So much, I mean, more. I think, I mean, Karen White did, I think they did a couple of joints where it was, Karen White was mostly a baby face. No, because she was married to Terry Lewis, wasn't it? But yeah, it was so, I mean, I mean, they did a lot of great, I mean, produ- productions for people, right? Yeah, and Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle, one of those things, okay? It's the CC Show. I am back, and we're about to get into the news. So, what is going on out in the world in these streets? Okay, so Texas tops U-Haul's list of one of the most cities moved to. Okay, this year, not surprised. Are we becoming like the New Atlanta? I don't know. Are they is Texas becoming like the New Atlanta? Is that what we said? I don't know about that, but I don't know. Maybe close. Okay, so this year. I, Here's the only thing I hate, okay? And what I what I would say to people is, and my uncle's like so giddy about people from California running off to Texas. He's like, oh, my God, empty out our state. <laughs> we love it. We, <laughs> we won't have a lot of traffic. He, I mean, he thinks it's grand. He's like holding on. He's one of the people in California that are holding on to the union. <laughs> And you know what? Listen, I will say this. I uh, I'm a big like I love California because you know why I love I love the West Coast because I love water. I love just the feel of certain parts of the West Coast. So I'm a I love California, certain parts of California. I really do. So I would probably that would be probably be my choice. One of if I to live maybe one of my choices I love the South too but one of my choices probably would be I love California I like and I do like the East Coast too because it's water you know like I like New York New York at one time I was I had when I grad when I was graduating from high school I thought about moving to New York for a little while and you know I kind of wish I had done that. But I, I thought about, I was thinking about California and New York. I didn't do either. But those are places I can live because it's very close to water. I like water. So you need, so, it's, so to me, yes. But New York is just, mm, I don't know. It's, it's like it's a lot of, it's 
a lot there. It's a lot going on there politically. But California, I can overlook the politics because it's so beautiful. But <laughs> I don't know if I can overlook it that much, but interesting. But it says Texas tops U-Haul's list of growth states for the second year in a row. Austin, Texas is once again top U-Haul's list of top moving destinations. It was named the top growth state of 2022. Yay for us. That means that all you people with your bad politics from the east and the west coast will come to Texas and not ask yourself questions of why you politically moved. And you'll just keep voting the same way. And eventually Texas will become California, or even more scarier, New York. No, New York, or even more scarier, California. Perhaps San Francisco. <laughs> 2022 was the second year in a row for, uh, uh, this is according to MSN.com. Uh, it says uh, 2022 was the second year in a row for the state to hit the mark and the fifth time since 2016. Florida, both Carolinas and Virginia rounded off the top five. Illinois and California were ranked 49 and 50. You know why. Texas ranked as a top growth state by U-Haul for a second straight year. Uh, and a lot of people, they say, are moving to Waco. Okay. Uh, 2022 was also the second year in a row California was ranked last. Oh, so sad. Because California is literally one of, I mean, I just think it's so beautiful, certain parts. Um U-Haul transaction, uh, transactional data confirms migration to the southeast and southwest U.S. continued through last year after similar trends were accelerated during the pandemic, the moving company website said. Overall, DIY moves were slowed slightly in most states following a record-breaking number of moves in 2021. Now, one of the reasons, too, you may have a lot of things moving, people from moving to Texas, because a lot of corporations and stuff from California and stuff are moving into Texas. So sometimes people people move for their jobs and things like that. My thing is you raise the rent. You're not realizing you're becoming you're 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 you're, you're the very things you left California for, you'll come to Texas and vote the same kind of people in. Like beta. Yeah, listen. People like Carlotta, are you a conservative? No, I just know what works in certain states. I'm a little bit conservative, but I'm a little bit, I'm also a little bit liberal. So it's, here's the thing. I just know the state of Texas sometimes works better conservative-wise. So I raise money here. The conservatives have done a great job of running Texas. Oh, God, come on. You can't say they haven't. Yes, they have certain fucking bad things that need work. But for the most part, they've done a great fucking job that everybody from the East and the West Coast are running the fuck here. Shout out to Greg Adams. And before him, what was before him? What was his name? I forget his name. The uh, the one that moved out, got all the uh, companies to move out of California. Governor Perry, what's it? Was it Perry? I forget his name. Republicans play the game well in, in Texas. Not always well, but they, they they got they 
they play the great financial politics state. Well, I mean, those state taxes, that's pretty damn good. Even though everything else is getting high as fuck. Why? Because everybody's moving. But I imagine, like, in, if Beto, Beto would have ran in about 10 years, he would have ran in, the, in about 10 years, he'll win in the landslide in Texas. Why? Because all these implants will have not learned anything politically. Some will. Some are very smart moving, you know, in these places in Florida. They're moving to Florida and Texas. But some people are not. They don't understand why the reasons why they're moving. They're just like, oh, it's rent and got high. They don't understand politics and why you chose to move in Texas. Why? What does the people of that state do well? And why do they do well? I just happen to think that the conservatives have done a great-ass job of running Texas. And that's why people are moving in droves. And people actually like Greg Abbott dropping, you know, like people, the moving immigrants, uh, the migrants, with illegal immigrants up to states that are called, or or so-called, I forget the word, sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. Good for them. They're supposed to have the money to take it. Listen, Texas is not a sanctuary city, even though it's on the border. It's not. Cost a lot of money. I mean, you know, we in the United States, we have to get balanced as a country. Our country is so not balanced. You can't have an influx of illegal aliens or illegal, let me just say it politically correctly, migrants. And I'm not just talking about from Mexico. I'm talking about from all over. You can't have the borders open and not suffer some consequences financially, citizenship-wise, to the citizens, all kinds of things. And plus you hurt people who really stood in line for years, who've done it the right way trying to get in America. They feel there's no need to do it the right way because all these people that's breaking the law would be like, shit, why should we wait in line? Because we're going to be waiting forever. When you let people just walk over to cross the border every day. I mean, you can't be some sort of law and fucking order. I'm not mean. I'm just realistic here. Seriously. But I'm getting into another subject now. But Texas is, but people like Greg Abbott, that's why he won again. Because some people are just like, yeah, the conservatives got this thing down here in Texas. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. All right, so going into... um, Let's see, what's the next uh, story I wanted to talk to y'all about? Uh, SZA. Should I talk about SZA next? Yeah. I don't want to throw shade at anybody. Because, you know, she's a Scorpio. And I like SZA. I like the first album. one. <laughs> I listened to it tonight because I was really surprised that she's been on Billboard's Top 100 as the number one. And I'm like, is it a slow music time, though? I mean, what else is out? Well, nobody else is. Maxwell, this would have been a great time to put out night. <laughs> you might have been on the, you might have been on Billboard like 10 weeks in a row. 
Nobody's out. That's why she's probably. Is that why she's number one for under hearing the more new records out? That's why. She picked a great time. <laughs> Night should have came out now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, I didn't even know the SZA was number one for four weeks in a row. And which is surprising to me because it seems like to me, Beyonce, even I'm not gonna take up for Beyonce here. Because it seems like I've seen every fucking video on TikTok, even now, even after weeks, people are still cuffing it. Especially through the holidays. I mean, it was like cuffing was a new holiday song. So I, I, people was like at their holiday Christmas. I said, I was so right. I'm so good. I would be such a good person. That, what, I don't know what the person that you named the person that does the picks the hit singles off the albums or whatever. I would be that person because I knew Cuffit. I said, "Give me Cuffit was the star of the album." I was right. You know what? Sidebar. I'm going to talk about Beyonce for a second. Beyonce, your best songs to me have been stuff like, I mean, where I think you would have gotten great credit, like, like, like Cuffit. What's the other one? Uh, uh, the one she oversings. But it's still a good song. But she actually knew what she's doing like new editions in the new edition video. Oh, what's the name of that? Love on top. That's one of my favorite songs. I love oh. you want to do a great song. Those are great songs for you. And the braggadocious songs and stuff like that, of course. But God, where is Beyonce? This is a sidebar before I get into scissors. Like, this chick is really refusing to promote her album. How she getting away with that? Like she how that money they paid in police oh no in two weeks we're going to get to see her or is it a week and a half now yes she's doing a show over in somewhere in the uh it's like is it is is it somewhere in the middle east is it in dubai or something like that i gotta look it up it's somewhere she's doing a big show out of the country so we will see her Finally, we get to look in her eyes and see if she's a robot. Is the robot Beyonce's out there? Is it really Beyonce? You know, I don't know. But we'll get to see her in a couple of weeks here. I'm kind of excited. Yes, I'm not all that mean. I'm just kind of excited. I just don't understand what's going on with the chick while she's not promoting the album. So at first, people were saying she might be pregnant, but that can't be so. If she's getting ready to come out here, because they're saying the tour is going to start by July. So I'm just wondering what's the person. Why why are you not promoting this album? I've cu- I've had various reasons. Just wondering why like she just laid down the go like she's like, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. It's not doing well, who gives a fuck? I know y'all all cuffing it, but I don't care. <laughs> so I'm interested to see what she's gonna look like because we don't hardly see her. I'm so interested to see how she's going to uh be how this concert's going to come up. I'm just interested. You know, because I'm starting to think of her as like an animation, a figment of my imagination. I mean, you don't see her anymore. It's like a, if she's like some, like puff in the wind. I don't know. I don't almost see her as real anymore. I'm like, it's a Beyonce. Yes, that's the, like the dancing robot. It's almost like she's becoming that. But, you know, just, just a thought. On to SZA. SZA. 
surprisingly, I'm just top. Now this is a this is one from last week, but it says I know a couple of days ago they say for a third week, but somebody told me it was for a fourth week. Scissor tops the uh, uh, Scissor SOS is number one on the U.S. album chart for a third week. I think fourth week is for the R&B album. Is not it's not a lot of R&B. It sounds like I'm going to tell you the truth. It sounds like she's trying to be the black girl version of Taylor Swift with a slice of R&B. Yeah, because when I was listening to her, I was going, Taylor Swift, like a black girl Taylor Swift. <laughs> and, you know, as I was losing, because she's also a Scorpio, so I was listening to the lyrics. She's a great lyricist. I love her lyrics. I love some of her lyrics. But some Scorpio deep shit songs, you know what I'm saying, like are things that I feel like some Scorpio shouldn't share to the world because you sound psychotic, and she's like a fe- like a little bit of a female Drake too. <laughs> like she sounds psychotic. She has this one song where she's like talking about literally like how she feels like killing the dude and his new girlfriend. I'm like, what a psychotic hom- homicidal scorpion. You guys are like, come on, you're a scorpion. Yes, I am. But listen, I understand. You know, I understand what we can be. Here's the thing. I feel like a good Scorpion song, and it's not sang by Scorpion, so I don't think Adele's a Scorpion. I'll tell you what Adele is. But one of the best written songs, I feel like it's a Scorpio like love song of hurt and pain is that, uh, what's the song? Uh, Rolling in the Deep. Oh, it's so Scorpion. And she's like, throw your soul through every open door. Count your bliss. I mean, she, she, I mean, it's like a cold, it's like a, that's like, that's like, that's like deep Scorpio. That is, it feels so Scorpionic. Like in terms of Scorpionic on a Phoenix front, like if a Phoenix got managed. But this album is like if a Scorpio, Scorpio crawling in the dirt got managed. <laughs> it's like, oh, it is dark, some of it. Uh, but I always thought that, you know, uh, Rolling in the Deep was, like, one of those great, uh, like, I was, like, I always said, like, she, 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 was she, she, was she in a Scorpio bag when she wrote? Like, I don't know what deals in her chart. I mean, did she even write that song? But I know, I felt like a Scorpio had something to do with that song because it's very Scorpion, the, um, the lyrics. Like, it's just such a, I love the lyrics to that song. It's such a like a, a, a like a real like breakup song. Like like if I'm mad at you and I break up with you and you pissed me off and you took me through some stuff. Oh, Rolling in the Deep is a song that I like to listen to. You know, uh, I mean it's just I mean and it's it's that like that throw your soul through every open door, count your blessings to find what you look for. Turn my sorrow into treasured gold. Oh my God! You pay me back in kind and reach us what you sown. That's true, Scorpio Phoenix revenge. If a phoenix is to seek revenge, <laughs> or an eagle, meaning Scorpio in his higher form. But this is that one. Scorpio at its lowest. Scorpio homicidal, psychotic. 
I'm going to kill you. You're out with your other girlfriend. I'm going to fuck you up. Hey, I'm going to kill you and her and throw the bodies in the back of the truck and not think about it and go bury you down by the river. <laughs> this, is, this is an album. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a scary shit. I was listening to it once. <gasps> and I was Scorpio and I was horrified. I'm like, some shit, Scorpios, you should keep to yourself. Don't tell everybody how to think when they're first mad. But he's a Assyrian Scorpios at their lowest depth. Coming in at number two on the Billboard 200 chart, dated Saturday, is Taylor Swift's Midnight. Oh, she put Taylor Swift at number two. All right, sister. Even though I feel like this is some Taylor Swift shit gone dark. This is like Taylor Swift gone dark. Yes. I don't understand how it's four weeks at number one, though. I don't understand how Taylor Swift gets four weeks at. I mean, gets any time at number one either. I didn't think on that first album of Scissors, I, I was like, is her vocals this way? Because I really don't like her vocals on this album. I love the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics, I mean, you know, I don't like the homicidal lyrics, but I, I feel like the lyrics are very interesting, that they're uh, captivating, but I don't feel like the music is captivating. Uh I feel like some shit you might not just want to share with the public, but you know, you, you, you putting your therapy out on the wax. But I, 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 she, it says, SZA reveals she didn't expect people to vibe with her new album, SOS. Don't vibe with it. But I'm sure there's people out there who do it. And I don't think it's an age thing. You know, great music is great music. Uh, I just think it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm like, number one, four weeks? But it's a slow week. It's, well, I didn't know Taylor Swift. How many Taylor Swift Midnight's come out? Was it a few weeks ago? Slow times. I don't know. But it's good if you knock Taylor Swift off. But it's interesting. I really got to say, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I listened to it. I opened my mind to it. Um, yeah. Like a few songs. I just, I feel like this is not, she's not an R&B chick. And she, I don't think she wants to be one. And I'm glad, I'm glad to not give her that. Uh, I think the first album was more R&B. Um, you know, sometimes I, I feel like all these girls are going a certain way. They all are sounding. And it's so funny because, like, I wonder, like, I wonder how many of them, because, you know, it's such a new time now. And some of them try to, um, like, mimic what they consider Good girl lingo. Like, you know what I'm saying? And none of them, some of them seem like they the most suburban things ever. <laughs> I 
don't know what this is exactly how they about to. But it's like all of the songs are like Negro, Negro, F U, and I'm getting my shit, and, I, and I'm doing my shit, and I'm getting my bag, and here come fuck me, and let's do it good, and then I'm going to dump your ass out on the nearest. I said I had my hair, one of my my hairstylist, not not my newest one, but this was a few years back. One of my hairstyles I went to, and she was playing like like a succession. First it was Jasmine Sullivan, and Jasmine's always kind of giving that vibe. Okay, so I'm not gonna put her in, and she does it well. But it was like a succession's of chick Queen Nigel, what is her name? I don't know. And some other people. I mean, I was when I came out there, I was angry to fuck at the men. I was like, shit. I mean, men ain't shit after listening to these out. I mean, they all say the same shit. <laughs> and they're emotional and they're sexual. <laughs> it's quite amusing. That's all I'm just saying. You know, like, I'm just like, I want one chick. Is there an Anita Baker out of the bunch? Is there, is some, is there an Anita Baker out here? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Is there a Tony Braxton? Like, can we get the sensuality and, and, and love? And Is there a Chardonnay? You know, with mystery, sensuality, and, you know, just sexy. You know what I mean? Is there, like, I don't know. Is, is, is there other types of singers? Is there a wiki out here? I mean, why are all these chicks? At first, they were all trying to be like Beyonce. But Beyonce is just too hard to keep the fuck up with on stage. <laughs> so now they're all like singing, like they're all trying to merge Jill Scott, <laughs> like a Jill Scott, Erica Badu kind of thing with a slice of like rap and hip hop and with some R&B. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's like a weird vibe going on right now. <laughs> and they're all funny. And they try to all do it like cards. And you're like, are you guys really all that ga-? Like, It's like gangster chicks. <laughs> they all are doing the, 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 what's the, what's the album that, that Jasmine Sullivan just had out? It's like that album, like, to, like, to the 10th degree. They all have the same subject matters. <laughs> She's funny to me. I just, this is like, you know what? Whose album I did kind of like though? You can tell you the truth. And her subject matter was very different. I mean, it was still along the same pathway. No, I can't say it was very different. I just liked her beats a little bit more. And she never really gets. And she kind of started off with that vibe too. Was it the Streeter Girl? Send a chick because I love that nasty girl song. That nasty girl song is hot. And she's got another one on there, like a drunk song. She got a couple of songs on that. I think that I thought that was a really good album. Way better than this scissor album. I just don't know. And then how y'all dissing Kevin Ross, I just don't understand. Like I feel like Kevin Ross I just feel like he's getting lost in the sauce. He's so great. Like I haven't heard a great R and B artist like that in years. So I like I can listen to his shit straight through and like damn. Okay, I think he'll catch on so he does. I just hope he doesn't have to do shit to catch on, you know? Like, it's a, which one? Okay, I'm going to say this. I ain't going to say no name. 
But there's one R&B girl out here who started off, you know, back in the day. Like, she was doing some neat R&B songs. Like, you know, she was singing her ass off. I ain't going to say no names. I'm just saying no names. But then she went over to mainstream, and she did this little, like, remix of a song with, I didn't like the song. And it became a major hit for her. She ain't been the same. Like, part of the Neo Soul Crew. A lot of Neo Soul Girls ain't been the same. Like, I would say Jill Scott hasn't been the same since Warner Brothers. No, 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 no. Let's talk about it. I love me some Jill Scott. Jill Scott is my favorite. Jill Scott is probably one of my most favorite singers. Probably top 20. Okay? Jill Scott is dope. Probably of this time frame, Jill Scott is a girl to me. And, so, and then I realized that she's a lot of Jaguar, right? I was no, no, and this is not to be dissing her, because both were great. But I do realize that I, I did not realize that before, because I wasn't a person that paid attention to Jaguar. When, I remember when Jaguar was real popular, but I didn't really pay attention that much sometimes. I mean, I listened to a couple of songs, but I didn't realize how close Jill is to Jaguar. I was like, wow. How many women really actually got a lot from Jaguar, right? Jaguar, right, is so interesting. Right now, have y'all heard? She's still, Jaguar still out in these streets talking. And what I'm, I'm, what I'm so proud is about Jaguar, though, I will say this, is that she's gotten back to the music. So she's performing. And she started the Philadelphia TV. I think that's pretty cool. Um, she's out here, though. She's still feeling, you know, she's still spilling the beans on the industry. She's a tough chicken that way. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think I think I think a lot of people. I, you know, it's 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 hard to believe how much people have that she influenced people with just those couple of albums. She had a really huge influence. And so when I talk about we talk about Jill Scott, I was going back to Jill Scott saying about Warner Brothers. I really got prefer Hidden Beach Jill Scott. like it was better. I don't know. It seemed like she went to Warner Brothers. What's the one album she did with And I like some of the songs. It's not that I didn't. I liked it. It just felt like, I don't know, it felt like she lost something when she went to mainstream. I still love Jill. Every time I've gone to see Jill in concert, it's been an experience. But listen, I don't know. I miss Hidden Beach. I know she has to grow, but I'm just like, what happened to Hidden Beach? Spirit of things. Like I said, you know, like I said, with Maxwell, with Urban Hainsley, it isn't that I miss like Urban Hainsley or Embrya Maxwell. It's that I miss that energy that was there. I mean, that, not that Maxwell isn't great, man. I feel like he was picking up that energy, especially this tour. This last tour, I feel like he was picking, it, was, it was a lot of that coming back. A lot. I hope I get to see that with Jill Scott, like a lot of the hidden beach energy coming back. Like, you know, I know you can never go back there, but you know what I'm saying? Like the energy of it all. Yeah, that's for five more. Anyway, this just happened to be four, four weeks at number one, and I'm confused as fuck about music out here. I just don't understand. what. <laughs> I've had some of my young, younger uh, 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 friends. Like, what's going on? Am I missing something? Yeah, I like something like that. 
Don't don't say to me. I like to put it out. Let's just I'm trying to figure it out. Scary. It's a scary album. I'm a little bit scary. <laughs> okay, Chance the Rapper. A lot of celebrities are doing a lot of things over in Africa. You know, it's the age of globalism. Where's that? Do I have it up? This is the, uh, let's see, I'm trying to find it. Chance of Rapper going over to, uh, he just did a, a concert over in, uh, I can find it here. I think I have it up. They did a big concert over in Ghana. I think Erica Badu is on the bill. And a lot of people. Um, what can I find this at, y'all? If I have it up. Okay. I'm going to have to look it up here. Okay, let me know how to give me a moment. I know how I be so sometimes. Okay. I thought it was interesting because, um, I mean, I feel like sometimes black American celebs are so far off, like, of understanding movements. Because, you know, sometimes they're just, just not in touch with the current movement of things. And it just seems like, you know, I mean, and, and, and I didn't get to talk to y'all. I don't think last week I talked to y'all about, uh, I think I did, maybe on the last show, about Joe Biden and how, um, and I, I think, yeah, maybe I need to start here with this. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, Joe Biden had a lot of um, rappers, a lot of people from Ghana, um, I mean, not Ghana, from Africa, the continent of Africa, a lot of leaders from the continent of Africa a couple of weeks ago at the White House, where he, where he, let me see if I can look this up. And I don't think, I don't know if I talked about it on the show last week or not. But, let me look it up here, because I want to make sure I get this story right. I'm going to tell you how I'm, uh, Uh, how I feel, how I feel this all connects. Okay, it says, uh, Biden welcomes Afri- African leaders for summit uh, has China and Russia expand influence. And this was on December the 14th. This came out, so it was a few weeks ago. It says, President Joe Biden welcomed nearly, this is according to CNN politics, 50 leaders from Africa on Wednesday for a summit intended to reset the Washington commitment to a region where China and Russia were also working to expand their influence. When Africa succeeds, the United States succeeds. Quite frankly, the whole world succeeds as well, Biden said, during his first appearance at the multi-day U.S.-Africa Leader Summit being held in Washington. The gathering coming early, nearly two years into Biden's term, will focus on issues critical to the continent's future, including climate change, public health, food security. Already the admiration has, uh, administration has announced billions of dollars in economic aid and voice support for a permanent seat of, at the group of 20 for a representative from the African Union. In his speech, Biden announced billions of dollars in new trade investments in an effort to help expand uh, internet access on the continent. 
which President said was necessary to boosting economic growth. Improving Africa's infrastructure is essential to our vision of building a stronger global economy that can better withstand the kinds of shocks that we've seen in the past few years, Biden said, you know, Mark. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Okay, one thing they're not uh, talking about. Okay, let me, let me make this. Okay, let me put this up. That was some of it, but let's see. Uh, they're leaving out a very important part that I want to talk about. Um, okay, so this is according to the Daily Mail. Now, it says, my nation's original sin, Biden apologizes to the delegation of African leaders for the unimaginable, unimaginable cruelty of slavery and offers them $55 billion as Rwanda president mocked us in front of a laughing crowd. Um, Biden expressed regret in the past, but insisted the United States is all, is all in on Africa's future. Our people lie at the heart of deep and profound, uh, profound connection that forever binds Africa and the United States together. We remember the stolen men and women and children were brought to our shores in chains, subjected to unimaginable cruelty. Well, I'm glad, but I think you're apologizing to the wrong people, the wrong set of Africans. Excuse me, uh, uh, Joe. They actually kidnapped a lot of the Africans helped kidnap. Africa was a part of the slave trade. The poverty doesn't need to be to them. And if 55 billion don't need to go to them, it needs to go to the people that you have on your continent that you keep refusing to apologize to and keep refusing to give reparations to. You apologize to the people who helped them. The country, I mean, no, the country that participated in the slave trade, the continents that participated in the slave trade. No, what about American black people who you have yet, you guys have yet to apologize to? Crazy as fuck. And then he proceeded to get 55. You know what that means, African Americans, black Americans? Because I can't call you African no more. Black Americans, you know what that means? You asked out. You done voted in somebody that just don't give a fuck about you anymore. Now we're after the global world. Fuck you, black Americans. We drained you as much as we can. That's what essentially he was saying to me. Fuck you. We won't apologize to you. But we we apologize to the continent that helped rope-a-dope you over here. Help with the kidnapping, assisted with the kidnapping. We ain't gonna give you no reparations. Oh, we'll talk. Well, yeah, we'll talk about. We'll get a committee on top of a committee on top of a committee that may consider reparations. Ain't that some shit? It's crazy. Says Biden's outreach attempt was sent, seen by many as a way of limiting the power of China, 
which has invested more in Africa than any other nation. Beijing has held its own high-level meetings with African leaders every three years over two decades. <laughs> but despite Biden's overtures, many African leaders rejected the idea that they need to choose between the United States and China. The fact that both countries have different levels of relations with African countries makes them equally important for Africa's development. However, it should be known each African country has the agency to determine their respective relationship and best interests. This is just, to me, further things. I mean, you should, right now, most African Americans should be livid by this. That's why CNN didn't mention the apology part. Daily Mail did it. But CNN didn't mention it because they didn't want to mention him because it didn't make no sense. Why are you promising the people, the people who helped you? Help send over you apologizing to them for slavery. They know the fuck they the continent. They need to be having up. They need to be standing right next to you, Joe. Say we apologizing for the atrocities that we we didn't know we was gonna send our, our people over into this. No, they not. They 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 didn't apologize. They should be right up next to Joe, and they should be giving some money. He gonna apologize to Africans, the Africans, the people from the African continent, leaders from the African continent, then promised them fifty-five billion dollars. And just the other week, you see this—I mean, just this week—you've seen the reparations in California go wrong about the beach, Bruce Beach. You read that the black people end up selling it back because they probably can't afford to maintain it for twenty million dollars, fucking pennies on the dollar. Oh, I can't talk about it because it makes me so mad. You can't. And they can't give reparations because they have literally essentially used you up. They don't really care. What Dr. Umar said a long time ago, it's almost like Dr. Moore. I can still remember Dr. Umar saying domestic policy has already been set. They are moving into foreign policy, globalism. Um. Now, as I say this, we talk about the world of celebrity and where celebrity is going to play a part in globalism. And that's why you got to just be like, sometimes with celebrity, I told y'all, y'all can't look up to their asses. Sometimes they just, they just be out here doing the most, okay? And I ain't mad about the concert over in Africa. I just find it intriguing that, We sometimes will look at helping other places and other things more than we helped ourselves. Not to say these people don't give to black causes, but to me, if your own set of people in black America is sitting at the bottom of the totem pole, that don't mean you can't give to Africa and you can't live on Africa. It just means that why don't you see the sense of uplifting your own? And black celebrities really have a hard time. It's like Oprah when she went over there to ask to open up a school. She can't open up one of these. She knows they have driver to the. And then went to talk about African American kids being materialistic, being one of the reasons she couldn't open up. There's a lot like African kids ain't got no, no need for some material shit. Have you seen, have you, have you listened to Apple? Afrobeat, have you have you seen them over there rapping and stuff? Don't you have to be kidding. 
Chance the Rapper was over in Africa this week giving a concert. Because I pulled it up. Why have I not pulled it up? Why do I keep missing it? Okay, I'm going to look it up. I think I keep knocking off the uh, um, the Chance the Rapper article. But, and this is a part of it to me. Um, he did a Black, uh, Black Star Line Festival in Ghana. And to me, there's this big thing about black people. They used to have this big thing of, for the last couple of years about this whole thing about black people moving back to Ghana and all this stuff, even though, you know, they ain't giving out free citizenship and shit like that and all that. And listen, and I'm going to tell you how this is, this is how deep this, this whole thing is going about them kind of pushing this whole Africa shit, okay? But uh, it says... Um, Here's the story behind Chance the Rapper's Black Star Line Festival in Ghana, okay? It was life-saving, Chance the Rapper described his first experience in Ghana. The Chicago rapper first came to Ghana in January 20, 2022 in response to Ghana's president, Nana Afuko-Ado's call for the diaspora to return to the motherland. Great tourism money, by the way. Chance was met on the arrival in Ghana by fellow Chicago rapper Vic Mensa, whose family is Guy uh, Gahane. The duo first met with their involvement in the Chicago Collective Save Money, which featured acts like Vic and Chance alongside Jerry Perk, Toluto, and others, according to Compass. The project was a collection of like-minded Chicago-based artists and, and individuals. Not much later, the rapper arrived in Ghana and went on a journey to trace his ancestry roots. In the company of his friends, he made a trip to Adam Waterfall, situated in a local community called Opso Mace, Mace to enjoy Ghana's luxurious scenery. From there, he made a visit to Ghana's presidency, the Jubilee House, where he conferred with President Afuso. He also visited several events and memorial centers, including the Kwame Nkrumah Memorial Park and Mausoleum Gallery, 57 inside of Kempinski Gold Coast Hotel in the Freedom Skate Park, and toured Jamestown, where his family built a school. The three-time Grammy-winning musician was Christian with, with the Akon tribal name, Nana Kofi Boa. I ain't got time for all that. In the past, I can't read that. In the past Instagram, the rapper revealed the leader of the church, Bishop Nakansa, was acquaintance of his great-grandmother, okay? Uh, my, what did he say? My great-grandfather was a pan-African and a captain under Marcus Garvey, you know, in the past. Okay, what eventually uh, turns out to be another vacation getaway for Chance eventually turned out to be something deeper and uh, familiar than he had imagined. He soon found himself immersed in Ghana's music culture and also learned that Ghana's rich anti-colonial history. Since the first trip to Ghana, he has returned to West African nation three times as a result. The artist decided to organize a free concert and art event for others also to experience Ghana's diverse culture as he did. According to him, the idea of the concert came during the trip to Ghana. I was introduced to the story and the legacy of Kwama Nakarama, how he freed Ghana from British colonialism and kind of brought an idea of global blackness to the forefront in the 60s, you know. Chance um, adds that the tagline for his concert is inspired by Jamaican activist and political leader Marcus Garvey. He, also, he founded, also founded the Black Star Line, which became a source of economic opportunities 
and inspiration for black uh, workers between North America and Caribbean Africa. Uh, listen, okay. Let me tell you, Chance the Rapper and all of these people are going to promote to you going back to Africa. While meanwhile, you have people running in droves to America. Now, black Americans, let me explain something really good to you. Because black celebrities often own some bullshit and some low self-esteem. They're usually 40 years behind where the streets is not at. Like they're 40 years behind. They're usually about 30, 40 years behind. They're usually maybe 10 years now because of the internet. They're behind. They, know, they, they don't understand that ADOS is out here moving. FBA's out here moving. B1's out here moving. People ain't trying. People ain't got low self-esteem. We don't got, we ain't having to, it's beautiful to go over to Africa and to see what happened to our ancestors and stuff like that. But unless y'all giving out citizenship, unless y'all, we ain't coming over there to pay for shit. Matter of fact, y'all need to be giving us a check. Okay? Now, if God calls you over there, I ain't got nothing mad. I ain't mad at you for doing going where you feel like God's heart has called you. But black folks, don't you dare. Let these celebrities to giving up your inheritance. Because black racism, racism, we get to wake up every day and see black people. Oh, these are, listen here, Africa. Still being, you ain't going to have one racism in Africa. I'll tell you that right now. Because you got colonialism and you got a whole lot of other shit that, that mentally happened to Africans. So racism ain't gone. Okay. Some worse shit to you. I think what black Americans don't understand is how the fuck strong you are. You the original. Marcus Garvey decided to start a movement over here in America with you. Why? Because you the real pan. You was really pan Africanist before you start seeing motherfuckers that really want to get on that tip. Then he's like saying, nah, I, I guess they, they really ain't down for it. You've been, the, you've been the rebels all along. And now these celebrities trying to get you to go over there and be like, look, look, we want love you. We connect it back to Africa. No, we don't. So we love you. It's, it's beautiful. I'd like to come visit sometime. But our ancestors bled. The blood is in the soil, baby. Oh, this shit's off. More ours than anybody. Don't fool you. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Else. That was an interesting last thought. Yeah, because I see what's happening. Oh, it's starting to be it's a global. Pay attention. And this is going to take us out the whole idea of reparations. Oh, maybe I can go back to Africa. Africa got its own set of shit to deal with. That's why motherfuckers running out of Africa, trying to run away. Got a lot of shit that they want. You know what they want? They want us to come over there and solve their shit. Like, damn, we got our own. Where was y'all at? We needed y'all ass in the 50s and 60s. Now, we got now We got this. But we will come to visit. Come to see this just so we can know where our background and stuff like that. Unless you give them away some shit, we'll pass. Far removed from the shores. Of 
you don't really have nothing. You will find out how fucking American you are if you don't even, from what I've heard from people who've moved over there, too. I love the story Henry Gates tells <laughs> about Africans in the 60s and 70s storing their passports into the waters. And, you know, uh, in the 60s and 70s time, oh, they made it back to Africa, made it back home. He tells the story. And he said uh, that the, uh, the, the, the locals said about after a week, how they came out at night and they saw these shadows on the water. And, you know, and they were like, what's going on? And locals came out to look. He said it was American, black Americans out there looking for their passports. <laughs> so they realized what living in Africa really the fuck meant. Okay. Listen here. You can't build up your own shit here. Trust me. You know how hard it is going to be you know, to go over there to Ghana to build up shit where Britain, Britain, I mean, uh, where Britain, uh, the continent of Africa, I'm going to just not say Ghana, the continent of Africa where Britain and China got a foothold in, baby. Quit dreaming. And he come to another thing to show you. And it started with Oprah, this bullshit. Really, it really did. And so now, let's go to another. And I'm not against us learning about the continent, going in over there. And get, I'm not against that. I'm just instant. I'm against dreams. Like, where they try to sell you a, a force and try to get you to give up your inheritance that your family is talking about, you know, America's just too much. It's too racist. Oh, don't think you're going to go over there and find a, a racist. You might see a lot of black people. You might wake up in the morning, and that makes you feel good when you see a lot of black people in some place. But the, part, the question is, do they have control and power of their own land? Y'all know. I tell y'all out here, there is too much going on. Well, black people, we got to really start. You got to pay attention when these celebrities are trying to sell out things, sell off a bunch of stuff. But they, it's hard to, they can't even do the work here. They want to go to Ghana and visit, oh, I didn't get that because I'm in with the president and all that. But they can't dig down and do the work here. Perry, Will, and Jada Pinkett Smith among those fighting to keep open Broadway play ain't no one. It closed a couple of weeks ago, but I felt like this article should be read. Ain't no more. This is this. It did leave. It said isn't leaving the great way, white way without a fight. The quickly claimed new play from the mind of Jordan E. Cooper recently announced its closing date on December the 18th, and I think it ended up closing that time. Just two weeks after officially opening on Broadway, despite the Broadway eviction of the show creator, Cooper has started a very public campaign to save the show. One that has grabbed the attention of many, including major stars like Tyler Perry, Will Smith, and Jada Pinkett Smith. Ain't No More boasting a producer's list that includes the likes of Lee Daniels, Lee Paul, Charles, Jeremy O'Hare, Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade, and others earned wave reviews when they debuted. When I hear those names, no offense. I just need to think about it. Okay. Uh, Cooper, who also is behind the hit series The Miss Pat Show, asked a simple question. And the comedic ain't no more. What if the U.S. government attempted to solve racism by offering black Americans one-way one play, way playing tickets to Africa? 
excuse me, this has already been done. It wasn't to solve racism, but Lincoln tried to. That's how Liberia got started. So your question, that's why probably nobody wants to go see the play. Your question has already been, didn't work very well. One only has to go look at Liberia to see that. No, one only has to read about Liberia to see that. When the closing date was set, Cooper turned to Instagram to drum up support. We're doing something new on Broadway, but Broadway isn't ready. No, I just believe your question was dated, but I digress. I believe great things happen in the world when the world ain't ready. Help us get ready by spreading the word, by showing us your support. Since that post, the show has received massive support from the likes of Will and Zeta Pinkett Smith and Tyra Perry, who brought out entire performances, okay? But then obviously you didn't receive much support from the public because the people ain't going there like that. Speaking about his initial post, Instagram post, which he refers to the closing date date and eviction of Super Total Hollywood Reporter, that was more of a metaphor. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring this play back, too, because they're going to try to shove the idea of globalism down your throat because they want black people, black Americans to lead the way and become some morph or some uh, uh, picture, like not having a culture. Like, you don't have a culture. Your culture is shared towards everybody. You're the face of globalism. Everybody can adopt your culture. Not understanding that black American culture came about through blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors and chattel slavery. And we ain't ready. We ain't giving that up to the world. That's all. And we distinctive. Just like they distinctive. And we ain't here trying to erase our fucking self. We're not trying to erase ourselves. That's how much they that's how much they hate black Americans. They want you to erase yourself. Merge yourself in other black cultures and other people in the diaspora and just erase yourself. They're easier to get along with than you. Oh, they're more educated. They try to tell us all kind of bullshit. Right? But we have to start believing and loving ourselves. And you got these black celebrities who's right or wrong with selling the bullshit. Yes, they are. They selling out the bullshit. Okay? Because they just don't know no better. I guess ain't no more. Ain't no more is gone from Broadway, right? I think it's closed down. The, the campaign didn't work. Because it asks a crazy question. Can you solve racism by sending people to, and I'm pretty sure it has some interesting questions. I mean, it answers some of the questions like I'm saying. But it just don't make me, I don't want to go see it. I didn't want to go see it because I heard the question. I was like, mm. Because anybody knows, if you know anything about the continent of Africa and the countries in Africa, racism is global as fuck, including on the continent of Africa. A lot of them countries are drowning the fuck because of racism and because of the slave trade. Since the slave trade, Africa has been in hard courts and hard over the Indian streets. Well, I'm going to need black Americans to start to love yourself. They went through in America. 
never looked down on the slaves. If the slaves hadn't survived, you would not be here. And if you root yourself into that history, beautiful but tragic but sometimes often traumatic, no, always traumatic history of black America, it created a people. And you can't let nobody erase you. Trying to sell some go back to Africa wolf tickets. Fuck y'all. My ancestor fled dies, fighting in the civil rights movement, all kinds of stuff. They built this shit for free. No, 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 no. Not only do I want to check a reparations check, I want to wrap, I believe in wrapping myself in the American flag. I'm fully, I'm happy to be American. We are, it's our shit. And ain't nobody going to run us out the fuck out. We all, we every bit in this mofo. No matter how much you try to erase us, we ain't going nowhere. And that's what they're trying. They're trying to listen. It's, it's on some high-level bullshit now. And that's just, just to tell y'all how strong you are. You ain't, ain't no such thing. Let me tell you something. Wakanda is you. Ain't no Wakanda. There's, no, there's, there's nothing in Africa closely resembling Wakanda. And Wakanda, if you really look at it, Killmonger was right. They, you, you, I love when Chadrick Bozeman, he said something so powerful, and I played it on here uh, one time when he was talking about, they asked him at a press conference, and he had such a different perspective about, about um, uh, 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 the first Black Panther. And they asked him, who was the um, the um, the uh, uh, the villain in Black Panther? And he said T'Challa. <gasps> I was like, what? I mean, I couldn't believe it because he was playing T'Challa. But when he goes on to explain, he was weak. You know why? Because Wakanda was actually different. I mean, they were they they just told me shit secret. They so what? Killmonger was the fuck right. Killmonger was like, you been holding your shit. You knew blacks all over the world was needing your help and what you done. Killmonger, Killmonger was real. And they was, Killmonger was really representative of African-Americans. You, you, if you really look at the deeper uh, analogies of Wakanda, of, what, of, of the first Black Panther, that uh, Killmonger represented you. Calling you, you that you the angry one. No, you actually the smart one. Killmonger was the smartest. Killmonger is the smartest motherfucker in the movie. I always say, well, I was happy to see Killmonger in the second one. I was like, dang, they should make him black Panther. And you know how that? Remember, Killmonger in some senses, when Stanley and them wrote this or whatever his name, the people from Black Panther, they here's a, some people believe they took a take on the actual Black Panther. They had wrote a little bit before. But they also created the idea of two Black Panthers. Remember, uh, Killmongers wore the black and gold, sort of the colors of the, the um, Oakland Black Panthers. And remember, I think that um, that in the movie, Killmonger is from 
like California or some part of California. It's crazy, but it was so many, like a picturesque, uh, kind of like African-American life. He was a picture of African-American life. And if you see that movie as African-Americans, I was very angry how African-Americans received that movie because really they were dissing us. But I was glad that Chadwick Boseman got it. He was real aware, aware. No, the villain was not T'Challa. It was not Killmonger. It's T'Challa. I was like, damn. I don't even know if I can see it. But I feel like that. Fine, that he was. I'm, I'm talking about stuff I didn't even mean to talk about this long, but. It was a very interesting concept. I'm kind of glad uh, he he kind of said uh, he 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 said it. Uh, he says Patrick Bozeman. This is according to uh, this is according to TheVerge.com. Patrick Bozeman says T'Challa is the enemy in Black Panther. His comment highlights the conflicting feelings of Black Panther audience members from the African diaspora. Uh, he says cultural criticism said had a lot to say about black Panther. Eric Killmonger is a sympathetic villain, and how black viewers can identify with his point of view. He's a casual murderer with a lengthy kill list, literally carved into his body. But Killmonger isn't just fighting for personal reasons. He's avenging his father and his lost childhood. But he identifies with other black people who've grown up in poverty and wants to use Wakanda's advanced technology to liberate people of color who've been oppressed by Western imperialism. And only people who've been talking that shit for years is African-Americans. Black Americans, you have used that pant. That started with you. Uh, his goals have real political weight, and they're more interesting than those of a lot of superhero movie villains who are often motivated more by generic they stand by sentiment. I'm evil and I want to destroy the world. Um, he says, uh, he says, they said there have been media takes because of how black Panther protagonist T'Challa sends a bleak message to black viewers by killing his rival. The message some critics say is that black liberation is only a dream. No, the message is that the continent kills black Americans. That's what they're trying to do now trying to merge us into something that we really not. So T'Challa, a son of Africa, to kill former sons of Africa. For somebody who came to try to get them to come back to the African continent and try to say, hey, this is what you need to be doing, but they want to do it, okay? And so it's a deep, the analogy is way deeper when you really look at the movie. But it says, uh, only a beautiful, peaceful folks expect tolerance and survival. And this reading of the film that makes T'Challa the enemy. And Chadwick Boseman, the actor who plays T'Challa, agrees. He said, I actually am the enemy, he says during the discussion with castmate Lapita Nuanga and Marvel comics writer and journalist Tanashi Coates at Harlem's Apollo Theater on Tuesday. Uh, it's the enemy I've always known. It's power. It's having privilege. He characterizes T'Challa has born with a vibranium spoon in my mouth. The reading of T'Challa has born into the higher caste while Killmonger and his father are considered outsiders is significant. Killmonger and his father, 
Jubilee played with an eye-watering performance from Sterling K. Brown are essentially shut out from Wakanda's Afro-futuristic utopia because they want to share it and extend its freedoms to other people of color around the globe instead of hiding the country's uh, prosperity from the world. Uh, Bozeman, who hails from South Carolina and graduated from Howard University, says, like Killmonger, he felt the same of not fully connecting with African culture and history. He had to search for his own heritage, like Killmonger did, and going to Africa for the film had been a chance for him to reconnect to what I lost. Bozeman says Killmonger has elements drawn from Ryan Cleaver's personality. Okay, but let me get to this. My thing is, yes, you can go back to Africa and re-study your history, but you have become something different. You are black Americans with a strong, rich history of your own. The strongest people of the 20th and 21st century. Now, that's that. And the, before that, 19th, 18th century. Black American story is unlike any fucking story in the world. The child of what a black America went through in America. We really don't know the stories of what our ancestors went through because a lot of us don't read. When you hear stories of when they had too many uh, slaves or too many babies about them using babies as alligator babies. I've been telling people what slavery is. Slavery wasn't no motherfucking punk. Now, not that people in the diaspora didn't go through their shit, but nothing like chattel slavery and American slavery, where it called you 315, raping. Not only women, men too. Reading. Oh. So bad. The Africans are jumping off the ship trying to say, shit, damn that. What Killmonger says it so good at the end of Black Panther when we talk about it. I'd rather be, uh, throw me in the, uh, in the water with my ancestors. Deep shit, okay? American slavery was horrific. And so for your ancestors to survive and you to be here, oh, you every part of the soul. And don't let no celebrity and none of their bullshit convince you anywhere else. As a matter of fact, most celebrities couldn't get what they get without the without black people creating the culture, black Americans creating the culture for them to do so. You ain't got to look back to Africa for just for history. You got your own culture now. And you should be every bit of proud of that. Okay? You from here, you tuttin' stop. Frederick Douglass stock, Malcolm X stock, damn that you ain't gotta be any Marcus Glover, you know he's a Jamaican. He came here to do to 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 do the work. You ain't gotta look to nothing. You ain't gotta look to nobody. You ain't gotta look for heroes from nowhere else. Now you can look at heroes from other places and love them, but you ain't gotta deny yourself to do so. You ain't got to erase your culture to do so. And don't let them tell you that bullshit because that's what these celebrities are on. I'm telling you right now, that's what they on. They on you got to go they got to be on that. They rather go build some place they show can't build. They could try to work the shit out here. And to try to work through the shit here. They they don't they ain't the same as the fifties and sixties. Mm. 
They beat into submission now. That's why you can't hardly pay no attention to them. Some of them, yes, but most of them, for the most part, now, they on some other shit. Okay? I'm not saying that's a chance to wrap this on, but I'm just saying. You don't got to look for heroes nowhere else. I did not mean to go into that this long. Y'all know how I be getting when they be trying to sell us off, uh, sell us off like somewhere else, like they trying to get us to erase ourselves. I don't like when they trying to get African, Black Americans to erase themselves. We ain't erasing shit. We don't just merge in, become some little GG pop. Now we earned every bit of this baby. We learned every bit of our culture. Every bit. I wouldn't ask Haitians to give up theirs. I wouldn't ask Jamaicans to give up theirs. I'm sure they feel the same way. Now, they might like to go back to Africa and say, yeah, I don't know. I'll do this is how we got Jamaica and shit like that. But them giving up the, uh, Jamaica, I would tell them, hell no. Okay. You got to do that. And we show ain't about to give up. We, we, we not about to. Ain't going to race us off the soil. Which they love to do. But we not going to let them. Like to make us some hodgepodge. Okay. We, we, we all are very distinctive with our own distinctive cultures. And Africa is a distinctive culture. That the African American, uh, the black American, and Adolf, American descendants of slaves, was taken from their land, kidnapped with the help of other Africans, and brought to a land where they created their own culture, where they were enslaved, but through that, they created their own culture and fought for every bit of the land they built for free. We're the only group besides Native Americans who haven't immigrated yet. This shit's ours. You're not about to be, you're not going to be on no bullshit. It's just like it sure is, it's ours too. Even more so. That's why I'll be telling about people, don't, 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 don't be on the bullshit. This is yours. And running to Africa, that ain't going to help because they, listen, racism is all over. And you can buy the kind of, Africa messed up with the slave trade. It ain't helped read about Africa since the slave, the continent since the slave trade. They do. They got plenty of resources, but it's hard for them to control it. China's over there, Britain's over there, and America's over there, all over there grabbing to China. But none of the leaders are coming together themselves to make money off their resources. And when they do, it's a lot of corruption and all kind of shit. Because why? The slave trade, they've been punished from the slave trade. Not that these other countries won't be punished either, but I'm just saying, it, it, this is just the fact. Giving away your own, some of your best all around the world. Africa has to come together on its own accord and be willing to reach out to black people all over the diaspora with real shit. Not with no scares trying to get us the fake ass buying food. A fake ass citizenship. You want to give us some citizenship? Give us, give it to us for free. You shouldn't be having to pay for citizenship. You owe us that much. Shit. 
all kind of bullshit. Just right now, it's just a big tourism scene, it seems like to me. Okay? Just to me. I'm just saying, that's my thought. <sighs> okay. I'm still going off. <laughs> all right, so uh, next. Oh my God, y'all like a lot of dang. Y'all seen here? Okay, I got the next 15 minutes. We got time to talk about poor Harry out here. <laughs> no, not poor Harry. Harry know what the hell's going Harry been out here, Prince Harry, y'all out in these streets. I mean, I have heard more stuff about the royal family these last couple of weeks than I just want to hear. I'm like, damn. <laughs> it's almost backfired on it. Oh, I feel sorry because I feel sorry for him because see what I think was going down with Harry is that he don't understand what happened, but he did. What if my suggestion for Harry would be this? This is what I would say to Harry. First of all, I say don't after this book tour and all this shit that you're doing, get yourself together, build yourself up in America, whether find out what you want to do in life, whether you're gonna be, you know, he could be head of movie theater or something. You can do whatever you want to. You Prince fucking here. You can come over here and run the game if you want to. But what I would do if I was you is to get real about who the fuck made you, okay? What you mean? Because essentially, I don't think Harry understands. Like in his head, he thinks he married a black woman, but in her head, she was never a black woman. And I know, Harry, but that's because you don't understand race and the dynamics of race in America and how damaging uh, it has been for some black people that some black people have literally ran away from their race. Like the idea of passing in American culture. When you read that about how a lot of biracial people who were born in slavery and sometimes if they could pass, once they got out of slavery, they would try to. Meghan Markle is a part of that thing. Like a lot of race rage happens, and so he he's thinking he he married typical. I bet he's thinking he married typical black girl, but with a little bit more class in America. But he really doesn't probably understand the dynamics of race and stuff in America, so, and class and stuff like that. So if I'm Harry, I would start there, so that you can understand what the fuck you married. Then you can say, Ah, man, let me pull back because. Maybe she needs a little bit of help with accepting herself. So many problems with Megan because Megan thought about she was white from the moment she walked over until the end. She was expecting to get treated like Kate Milton. Not that she shouldn't be. A black woman should be treated with every ounce of respect and 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 and, and love has anybody in, in the world, how, any woman in the world. However, because Megan has been in denial about race, she has never had to confront race and what race is really because she's been, you know, kind of passing. She kind of lightened her skin, straightened her hair, all these things. Megan is, has been running from race. And so when she got to the U.K., I told the story on him before, she had to face race. Fuck up. Now, you're like, well, America's one of the most places, racist places in the world. She didn't face race here. Yes, yeah, she did, but she was in denial. But she was she was hoping to go to the U.K. and think, because, see, what she did in America is try to position herself in places in America where 
she would be confronted with race, but not much. Like, you know, like she moved herself into Hollywood, a lot of things there. But she, she even said herself that she was not taught when she got older how to deal with race. And her mother said she just didn't teach it because her mother has race, race probably has problems with race, probably severely damaged by racism in America. And so is Megan, I would say. And so Harry doesn't understand what he's dealing with. He's dealing with a person who prefers whiteness, who does not probably like herself at all. And so once she's confronted with the black side of herself, a side that she really hasn't, didn't think we, because like she said, I never knew what it's like to be a mixed woman. What she's saying is I never knew what it's like to be a black woman. I never knew what it was like to be, I've been living in delusion. I just, I, I never knew what they went through. <laughs> I never knew what my own mama went through. She did though. She goes around and then she tells about her mama being, she's seeing racism happening against her mama. But just when you have racial sickness in America, there's so many layers to that. And poor Harry just didn't know what he ran into. And the issues and the stuff from all of it. Kind of sad. So it's not like he's on 60 minutes. We got some of it. I think we got some of it. I got 10 minutes left. I, oh, my God. I'm going to have to have a part two with y'all. So I always say a part two, and I don't never do it. We don't, we, we'll figure out something. But let's listen to here a little bit, some of the interviews from Anderson Cooper. I think, uh, what's 16 minutes? I think it is. Let's take a listen. There has always been this competition between us. Okay. I don't think I have the whole thing up where I have the whole where he talks about. Um, okay, I may have to do that on part two because I don't have enough to get the part two, but I'll read some of it. It says, uh, Prince Harry's uh, sensation, sensationality put some of the blame for his Nazi uniform scandal on his brother Prince William and sister-in-law Kate Milton in his new memoir, Sources Tell Page 6. That's funny as fuck because Harry was wrong as fuck. You could have told them no. But anyway, the Duke of Sussex will, will claim the Prince and Princess of Wales howled laughter when they saw him dressed up for the 2005 party. Harry was 20 years old when the Sun newspaper published a front-page photo of him dressed as a Nazi soldier with a red arm emblazoned with a big swastika. The picture was taken at a costume party with a native and colonial theme, where William was also a guest and was dressed as a, in a homeland lion outfit. In one segment of the book obtained by page, page six, Harry writes about choosing the outfit, revealing that it was a toss-up between two costumes, a pilot or a Nazi. I phoned Willie, Willie and Kate and asked what they thought. Nazi uniform, they said. Harry writes, adding that when he went home and tried it on for them, they both howled, worse than Willie's leotard outfit, way more ridiculous, which again was the point. Harry, now 38, is expected to go in detail the first time about his fallout with his older brother following the ensuing storm. Other book sources confirm that there is also a good chunk about both Kate and his stepmother, Queen Comfort, Camilla Parker Bowles. Although the Duke of Sussex has called the Nazi incident one of the biggest mistakes of my life, one senior publishing source 
who has hear who has read Harry Spear told us it's strange you would think that Harry would take ownership of this and just move on and not drag um Okay, and not drag his brother into it, but he makes it clear that he feels strong about William's role in the scandal. I believe this happened. I believe all the things that he's saying. Okay, I really do. I believe I, but I do agree he was wrong and sudden. He do need to take some responsibility for the for the for the other for the stuff he did on his own. But it is just, I mean, it is amazing that what Harry. I, I, it's just such a deep thing what's going on with Harry because what I really believe is, see, what happens here in America, Megan knew. One thing Megan knows is black people, sometimes we are desperate to have people, like, even though there's a lot more black people in America who's coming out of this idea, you know, of like, uh, oh, she, you know, there's an idea of, oh, she married into the royal family, but it's a lot of us who don't give a fuck about you marrying into the royal family because we know what they mean, colonialism, uh, imperialism, uh, racism. We understand that shit, okay? So, you know, we like, mm. I mean, do you know, I mean, it's some, sometimes we just prize and we hear in the royalty part, and that's because from our low self-esteem from how, you know, shit, shit went down in America. You know what I'm saying? We're racing stuff. But now we're starting to become, you know, as we become more educated about the ways of what some things we, we don't got to be proud of. Like, what the fuck? And then Megan being proud of Megan, who never identified with being black. So Megan, in a sense, now that she finds herself, she went over there to the U.K., and I feel like in part, she, in part of the UK, she was acting like a bitch because, in some ways, she was unaware of herself. And now that she's been confronted with not only her color, her race, and all the things that means when you marry into a ruling class, she's running back to America now. To black people like, oh my God, please help me! I'm saying, help me cope with being black. And it's just like when we should be really just looking at it and saying, girl, cope with just learn, learn, figure it out yourself. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she wants us to kind of be her defense now. Like I always laugh and joke and say how Harry and Megan was going to be talking at the Essence Fest next. I bet, I guarantee you, I might, I, I would not be surprised if Megan yet to make Essence Fest eventually within the next couple of years speaking. I thought that eight years ago. I thought that when they first got married. I said, that next up, Essence Fest, after she realized, we, I, I already called all this. I've been talking about this for the longest. I called all of this. I called even to come back to America. Because I knew, I just know what Megan is. Just because, you know, first of all, let's just say, there's sometimes, I mean, Oh, there's a whole lot I got to say about Megan and Harry. I got to say this, but my next, I only got four minutes. And I don't got time. So I got to save them for part two. <laughs> I got so much more to talk to y'all about. I got so much more shit. I got a whole lot more shit to say. <laughs> so we got to save stuff for, for part two. I didn't even get to Diddy and Miami out in these streets, you know, at New Year's and young Miami talking about how they pray together and put God first in their relationship. And people was laughing. Y'all was laughing and mocking their ass and everything. <laughs> But I say prayer is good because prayer brings revelation. Hopefully it brings some revelation to Miami. 
Now, a lot of y'all got upset last week. I do got a couple of minutes to confront this about me saying Young Miami is a good choice for her. Listen, if what they're saying is true, a $250,000 monthly check and stuff like that, if she's got children, yes, she's kind of a good choice right now. Now, I wouldn't keep that shit up as long as Cassie did. But if you're out here for a few months or stuff, yeah. Now I wouldn't keep up that shit because I ain't I ain't, I ain't putting up with Diddy like that shit. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, no two hundred fifty thousand. Fuck that! I ain't putting up with all that bullshit he's doing. And plus, he just seemed reckless. I mean, he's yeah, fifty some years old. You ain't using no time. You just having babies with random. You trying to sex me? No, I'm grown. I know better. My young Miami don't know better. Okay, um, and he wouldn't even be he wouldn't be good cash even. For me, my ass, unless he's going to wrap up like, with a ton of, and decide he's going to uh, uh, settle down or something and shit. If I was thinking out in these streets, that's the only way I'd be able to deal with it. Like the, and a sign over of the uh, of, of the wheel, a big chunk of the estate. <laughs> <laughs> Let me shut up. It's time to Y'all, it, <laughs> this is a messy show. This is a crazy ass show. I got two minutes and 33 seconds. Okay. So when we, when, when I will do a part two sometimes. I, I know, I don't know if I'm going to do it this week because I have guests coming on next week. So I may try to do catch up with what we, we need more. We need to talk about the young Miami and all that stuff on, uh, uh, maybe on Saturday. I'll try to catch up with it. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'll try to do. Probably try to catch up with it, uh, next week. Okay. Y'all, that's what we'll do, catch up with the rest of the stories and everything. I may try to have a story midweek, I mean a show midweek, but, you know, I can't promise y'all, okay? We'll see, all right? But meanwhile, you guys, I'm glad. I hope you guys are having a good 2023 so far. Happy New Year. See y'all next week. I'll be on Wahana and her story. So make sure you guys tune in on Saturday at, I think I'm going to come in at 1030, okay? Wahana will be on at 11, okay? So make sure you guys tune in. I'm out. Y'all have a wonderful rest of uh, y'all week. I mean, beginning of the week and the rest of y'all week. See y'all. Leave me with uh, Janet again, okay? Uh, let's leave with uh, up. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I'm out, y'all.
that is probably one of my, like, that's my top five Janet songs, okay? Slow Love, okay? That is my song. When I'm getting ready for a concert, I love playing that song. I love, that's probably one of my, I don't know if that's number one, though. Like, it's top five. Janet, like, I love that damn film song, Slow Love. <laughs> All right, it's the CC Show. Uh, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are listening to the Archive Show. Shout out to all my Archive listeners. That's what most of y'all listen to the show uh, after I've recorded it. So, hey, shout out to all y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. It's separate from the Keisha page, okay? I mean, Keisha, my personal Facebook page. Okay, there's the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page where I post articles and stuff like that, where I may, what I may talk about during the show. And you guys are allowed to interact with me, send me messages and, you know, through my DM or whatever. Um, I always appreciate it and love y'all for doing that. And then you can also hit me up on, uh, which some of y'all are trying to write me on there too, Carly's Instagram, I mean, my Instagram, Carly's underscore galaxy. Uh, Carly's underscore galaxy is my Instagram. You guys are trying to message me there too. So thank you guys messaging me articles and stuff like that. I appreciate it so much. Uh, also, uh, the Carlotta um, Twitter, which I'm on, you know, I just post articles on Twitter. I don't hardly talk on Twitter anymore. I know. I probably need to start talking back on Twitter, but I don't. But I, but I do post articles. So it's two Twitter accounts. It's the main one is C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72. It's kind of like an obscure one, but it's both my uh, Twitter uh, thing. So, you know, got the free to follow them. And if you want to write me, usually the best place to write me. I know some of you guys have been sending stuff to Instagram. You're welcome to do that. Carly's underscore Galaxy and the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, okay? I will get them both the messages if you send them to either place or anything you want me to talk about or articles you want my opinion on or something like that, feel free to send it to either place, okay? I will get them, all right? All right, you guys. Oh, my God, we're in 2023. How exciting. All right, you guys. So I am out. This I'm out. So you guys, hopefully I will have a part two this week. Remember, I have guests, a guest coming on Saturday, Hannah, and I'm going to try to have another guest. I'm working. I'm, I'm going to try to work on her this week and see if she can come on. Okay, and if so, then I'll have a part two so I can really talk about her coming on because I think you guys will be excited about this guest too, okay? So I'm out. Y'all have a good one. Back to Janet. So love, okay? That's my song, okay? I'm out. See y'all. I'm gonna take a little bit of a